Morning, dear listener. Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Lots of snow and ice out there. Uh, lots of snow and ice out there. I'm at work. We, we've got more people working today than we normally do. Lesson for you teachers there. Now, coming up on the show, lots that I know you want to have your opinion on, and um, I'll give out the contact details in a minute. One in five children in beds, hearts and bucks are obese. The parents don't always recognise they're too fat. Huh? What should mums and do to help kids lose weight? Hundreds of schools are closed across the three counties because of the snow. We'll have all of the latest closed school info for you. And find out why one Bedfordshire MP says GPs think the NHS is too generous in treating overseas nationals who don't pay for services. Now, you can go to the Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR. You can send us a text, 81333, start your text, 3CR. But look, we have a completely bare switchboard. It's naked. So now will be an excellent time to give us a call, 08459 455 555. How would you stop... Kids being fat. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. BBC Three Counties Radio. Did you have a good weekend? I loved it. Fantastic. The snow and the the snow start. I was supposed to go to Gloucester to see my old man on. I had a load of hot chocolate and it was wonderful, wonderful because of it. All these people moaning. Oh, the snow, the snow. Listen, you have to embrace it. It's only going to be a few days. It'll be gone by Thursday. I'm guessing. I have literally no knowledge as to whether that's the truth or not. You, you have to embrace it. I went to visit my dad on Sunday. Went, went to Gloucester. Took me three hours to get there. Stayed there for an hour and 15 minutes. Three hours back. Wonderful. And I drove... Driving down the M4, and then I think it was the A419 and the A417, something like that. Someone will correct me. Uh, it just looked fantastic. I was driving nice and slowly. 50, 60 miles an hour. Beautiful. Embrace it. Now... More than one in five, ten, and eleven-year-olds. I see. I thought there's a, a line from a, a, a UB40 song. More than one in five, ten, and eleven-year-olds are obese in parts of beds, hearts, and bucks, according to figures obtained by the BBC. The highest figure, twenty-two percent, is in Luton, which is above the national average. Across the NHS, obesity is costing us four billion pounds a year, and there's a growing uh, problem with children. There are schemes to encourage people to lead a healthier lifestyle, but the uptake is low. Tonight's Inside Out has a special report. Let's speak to the Svelte presenter, David Whiteley. Morning, David. Good morning. What's the scale of the obesity problem? Well, we've got some pretty good data uh, for this, as all children are weighed at school now, Ian. Um, the latest figures show that in Bedford, 18% of, of 10- and 11-year-olds are obese. Across Buckinghamshire, 16.1%. Uh, in Hertfordshire, it's 14.1%. Milton Keynes, 191 um, But the highest uh, in the three counties area is Luton, uh, where 22%, as you've mentioned, of 10- 11-year-olds are obese. And that's a Above the England average. It's interesting, because when I was at school, David, and I, I imagine we're of a similar age, uh, there, was, there was one fat kid in the class, and he was called Tank, or Moose, or Slim, or something like that. Yeah. And now it's like, it, it's 22% in Luton, that's incredible, what can be done about it? It is amazing, isn't it? Because everyone else around you was pretty slim. And yeah. I think, doing what you just said with your kids this weekend, I disown my daughter, you know, you, you get outside and you what do fun. things in, in, in the snow, yeah. you go sledging, snowball fights, that kind of thing, it's just playing outside, just, just keeps the weight down, doesn't it? Um, well, health organisations... Uh, trying all sorts of things. Uh, just telling children to lose weight isn't necessarily going to work. Uh, one really successful scheme in Bedfordshire is called Busy Bodies. Uh, it works with whole families, encouraging them, them to adopt a, a healthier lifestyle. And it's designed to be fun as well as informative and help children before they become seriously overweight. 11-year-old Tenny Aguini is going along with her mum, Olu. We were referred by, by school nurse. And, the and do you think it was a good idea to come? 
Excellent. It's very good. We're both enjoying it. I'm learning from it. She's learning from it. And what do you hope to get out of it for the future, for you, for both of you and as a family? Um, to continue to be health um, awareness. Um, now we've learned about how we need to do more exercise you know, and to be conscious of what we're eating. David, can I ask a question? Obviously, I've not seen the pictures to this yet, and I should be watching this intently, because this fascinates me tonight. Uh, we heard the mum, Olu, there. Yeah. Is she a big lady? Uh, now, looking at them as a family, you wouldn't say they are. Right. You wouldn't right, say they okay. are. And, and, and I would say that, looking at them, that they may be slightly overweight. Um, but, but the problem has arisen. This word obese conjures up images of people who are morbidly obese people yes. 40, 50 stone you know massive rolls of fat and and you see them stuck in a room somewhere that is not the obese that we're talking about we're talking about people who go just beyond being overweight but also what, what health uh, guys have said to us is that because we're becoming so used to people in general being bigger we're becoming like the united states because if mm. everyone is bigger and everything becomes bigger around us then it becomes the norm um just one percent of children who are, who are offered a place actually take it up on this on this course yeah and it is frustrating for the, for the health authorities who are desperate to encourage more people to come along uh, we spoke to a chap called craig lister uh, he's the public health manager in bedfordshire i don't think the take up is any worse in bedfordshire than anywhere else in the country so some of our programs get very high levels of take up but particularly in some areas we have this low uptake of children going into the weight management programs i think there's two main reasons for that one is that most parents of obese children can't recognize that the children are obese visually they can't recognize that and the other reason is there's a lot of stigma attached to saying actually my child's obese can you help me because certain areas of the media have said that if your child is obese you're a bad parent and in some cases far worse than that so to say, yes, my child is obese, and can you help me, is a huge step to ask parents to take. Uh, and presumably these initiatives are competing with every other area of health spending. Are we back to the old argument, David, of financial priorities? I think with this, that their argument for actually running it is that uh, prevention is better than cure. So if you can make sure that people change their lifestyles early on, mm. um, because uh, obesity costs billions of pounds per year uh, within the NHS, and, and these preventative programmes, for want of a better expression, which is what they call them, is, is kind of uh, changing people's attitudes towards food and, and what they do with their lives at an early age, and therefore kind of stopping it before it starts, really, or kind of getting there at the early stages before it does become a problem. David, uh, how old your little girl? She is two and three quarters. Fantastic. Did you, and you went sledging, did you? Yeah, and it's the first time she's, she's been. Beautiful. She, the first, uh, Saturday I went down with her. Yesterday, she didn't want me with her. No, she's perfectly happy going down the road. <laughs> uh, me and my wife just looked at her and she just went, woo, how old are your kids? Uh, th- three, uh, three and one today. The, the second one is one oh, today. Uh, and yes, we went, we went sledging. And the thing is, I had to drag the three-year-old all the way to the park on the sledge. Oh, e- yeah. Even when there were bits where there weren't snow. So I'm just pulling him down the middle of the road. So, and what then, fun. Yeah, that's great. And then you, you, but as, as you said earlier, we have to embrace it because yeah. it's only here till Thursday. I think it is Thursday. I think is you're right. It? right. I think you're plucking Thursday out of the air there. I think, I think it is. And it's going to go. And days. then we'll all be back to our miserable grey selves. Grab it and embrace it. Doesn't everywhere look beautiful as well? It's fantastic. You can't help but take a great picture of anything you know you take a picture of a street lamp in the snow well even driving up the m1 it looks wonderful yeah it everywhere looks great i drove to bedford on thursday last week and there's no one on the roads either yeah 
If you go on the roads, everyone thinks Snowmageddon's come and there's no one on the roads. David, lovely to talk to you. Thank you very much. You can see um, uh, how Terry and her mum get on at the uh, Beezy's Bodies course on tonight's Inside Out. The programme is also looking ahead to what will be the biggest ever reorganisation of the NHS in ten weeks' time. Dr Phil Hammond will explain what it means for all of us and you can find out which iconic British fashion name invented the trench coat here in the East. That's all at 7.30, BBC One tonight. Thank you very much, David Wiley. Always a pleasure. How do you stop kids being fat? I've got the answer. When did the sun? When did the sun give up being a newspaper? Seriously, I used to like the sun. Oh, it's a bit of fun, bit of news. It's rubbish. Have you seen the front page? The front page of the Sun, kids, TV shocker. This is the front page of the biggest selling newspaper in the country. Outrage as BBC shows Savile Act on tweenies, CDBBs. Fury erupted last night. No, it didn't. It, no, it didn't. You're saying it. You're making fury erupt. Fury erupted last night after the BBC showed a character mimicking vile Jimmy Savile on the CBeebies Kids channel. A tweenies character donned a blonde wig to introduce a song called One Finger, One Thumb. The implicate Well, I've forgotten that one finger, one thumb, keep moving. The implication is that the song is sexually suggestive because it's called One Finger, One Thumb. One nod of their head, keep moving. Deborah Cogger, 14, when she was abused by Savile, said, It's an insult. Turn to page seven. Screening a kid's show featuring a Jimmy Savile impersonation beggars belief, a furious victim told The Sun last night. It shows utter content, says a victim. This is incredible. Right. And again, they, they're implied... They, they go to page seven. We'll get to the, the, the travel in a second. Page ten. Sun, Sun says, brainless beep, has the BBC learned nothing from the Jimmy Savile scandal? I think it's learned a bit. I think it's learned a bit. A lot of papers don't like the BBC and Jimmy Savile was a paedophile. Not if the astonishing decision yesterday to screen an episode of CBB show Tweenies featuring a character impersonating the child-molesting disc jockey is anything to go by. Appalled parents will have watched in disbelief as a puppet parody of the paedophile cheerily introduced a song called One Finger, One Thumb. Was anybody really upset? Right, first of all, none of the kids watching it. CBBs is for, like, two- and three-year-olds. They're not going to make the connection. They're not going to go, oh, no, I feel violated. It's that, it's that man. They won't make the connection. No one made the connection apart from the son who went, hang on a second, front page news, CDBBs, for goodness sakes, grow up. Grow up. You're not seeing what's happening in the desert out there, for God's sakes. Morning. Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio, 08459 455 555. Can you tell me... Right, everyone's everyone's been moaning about the weather. Oh, it's snowing. Oh, it's no. Oh, the snow, but I can't. Just phone up and tell me how you embraced the snow this weekend. I had to cancel or postpone my plans to go to Gloucester. I was going to stay in Gloucester over the weekend. My dad's not very well. I was going to go down there, stay down there Friday night, come back Saturday. Couldn't do it in the end. Couldn't go Saturday. In the end, I popped down there for an hour and 15 minutes on Sunday. We embraced the snow by going sledging in the park... Coming back, having hot chocolate. Then we looked out of the window and we saw the next door neighbour's kids were having a snowball fight. And the mum looked at us and went, Do you want to come? Do you and the boys want to come down? Too right, we want to come down, missus. Me and my eldest went next door and had a snowball fight with a four year old, a seven year old, and the mum. Wonderful. And then sledge races around the back garden. How, don't fill up and moan about the weather. You know, how did you embrace the snow this weekend? What did you do to stick two fingers up to everyone who's going, oh, snow, oh, it's snowing. Jonathan Vernon Smith can't complain. He got put up in a swanky hotel last night to make sure he'd be in at work. My boss phoned up, Ian, do you want to stay in a swanky hotel tonight? 
use the term swanky very, very loosely. Do you want to stay in a swanky hotel? No, thanks. I'll, dr- I'll, I'll get up early and I'll drive in. Teachers, take note. Now, GPs in the three counties say the NHS is too generous in treating overseas nationals who don't pay for services. Bedfordshire MP Andrew Salou says he's been contacted by several GPs with concerns about the cost to the health service. We'll talk to him in about an hour's time about this. But before that, we can speak to Dr Paul Roblin, uh, Chief Executive of the Local Medical Committee for Buckinghamshire. Good morning, Doctor. Uh, Good morning. You've seen this in our area. What's the issue? Um, in... (laughs) I'm not quite sure what uh, you actually has provoked this. Uh, I gather from your previous announcement that you said that GPs have complained. Apparently so. This is what Andrew Salou, the MP, says. Okay. well, I think that must reflect uh, the comments of some people in his area. Um, It's not been an issue in the area that that I cover, in, in, in the sense that there haven't been any complaints from GPs. There was a television programme, I think, about two or three months ago which uh, did look at this problem um, and it has been a problem f- uh, amongst GPs for for many years largely um, because of the rules on uh, what patients a GP must or can accept onto his list uh, have been vague for a long time. So what, in what way is it a problem doctor? For, the, for these, these other doctors, Doctor? Well, I don't know. You'd have to ask them. It's, it's not a problem for my doctors. That's all I would say. Uh, but when you're out playing golf with other doctors and uh, do, going to your doctor's <laughs> social events, I don't know what you do, to be honest. Very rarely I move within the medical world. OK, do, well, do, that's a stereotype that's long gone. Oh, do, do you not go and play golf anymore? <laughs> no, I don't play golf, no. What do you do in your spare time? Yeah. Um... What do I do in my spare time? Yeah. Oh, it goes a strange question. No, I know. I just, I just, just, just let's let's redress <laughs> the stereotype. I don't think there is a stereotype. All GPs are a are a broad church, and they all do lots of different things. Good for them. Good for them. So, would you say that the uh, th- this these complaints that Andrew Salou has talked about about uh, overseas nationals using the uh, health service who don't pay for it? Would you say it's maybe being hyped up a little bit? Well, it only takes one letter from uh, a person for it, uh, for it to be portrayed as an issue. It depends on the volume of letters and comments that this MP has received, and really only he can answer for that question. He can. Well, we'll speak to him later on, Dr Paul Roblin. Thank you very much indeed. We will speak to Andrew Salou uh, a little bit later on and find out exactly what's going on. And why on earth are we talking about this this morning? Is this song real? Is it a real song? She's got a very nice voice. I like Eliza doing this. Very nice voice. It's that it's that fella that's confusing me. <laughs> Why is he doing like a Dizzy Gillespie? Back up. What's he doing that for? That's a very strange song. I'm not saying I didn't like it. I don't know if I liked it or not. And that's got to be a good thing, hasn't it? Yeah. Getting beds, hearts and... Oh, we need the travel. Well, we haven't got the travel, so we'll just make a kind of travel vaguey noise and go to Sophie Tyler. Sophie, let's have the travel. There's more in 15 minutes. See, that was like Nirvana Unplugged or something. Fantastic. Right, news and sport now with Catherine Boyle. Call 08459 455 Morning, Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. How did you embrace the snow this weekend? Did it scupper your plans, but you turned that disadvantage into a reigning glory of fun and wonderment? That's what I did. I was gutted I couldn't go and visit my dad on Friday. 
turned it into uh, a magical weekend involving sledging, hot chocolate and snowball fights. Superb. 08459 455 555. Also coming up in the next 30 minutes, if you're planning to jet off or see your family, to see your family or friends, or maybe, I don't know, go away on a business jolly, or maybe have an affair with your mistress abroad, well, you'll be wondering whether your flight will still be departing. We'll have the latest news on how the snow is affecting Luton Airport, so don't worry. If you're off for a little bit of, you know, sneaky nooky, we, we'll let you know. I was going to say we'll fill in the cracks, but that's inappropriate. 08459 455 555. Speak to you after this. Should have a look at the front pages. Why not? Let's do it. I'm reading through them, and it's a load of old tosh, to be honest. Uh, the Guardian. North Africa terror may last decades, says the PM. Cameron says Algeria hostage crisis shows threats similar to Afghanistan. And then there's uh, Obama getting sworn in. Uh, the Independent. NHS chief. Hospitals are bad for old people's health. Hospitals are very bad places to care for frail, elderly patients, and new ways must be found to treat them in the community. Oh! Oh! The new independent head of the NHS has warned, Oh, I see. Yeah, no, don't let old people go to hospitals. No, don't... No, let's do it in the community. At home, yeah, no, let's not let them go to hospitals. It's bad for them. The Times. New front opens in war against Al-Qaeda. Oh, we've got the... We've got the star. Why have we got the star? We never get the star. Oh, I'll have a look at that later. They're doing the ridiculous story as well. You expect it from the star, though, because it's not really a newspaper, is it? It's it's just a bit of, bit, bit of fun. It's a bit, bit, of, bit of mucky fun, isn't it, for the dads? The star, the star, a bit of mucky fun for the dads. BBC Savile Puppet Storm, tweeny imperv outfit. Horrified parents slammed the sick BBC for airing a children's show yesterday starring a puppet dressed as Poppedo Jimmy Savile. CBB's fave, the Tweenies, featured a shell-suit-wearing puppet with a blonde wig and gold chains that mimicked the disgraced DJ's catchphrases. Turn to page nine for more. This story fascinates me because no-one's outraged by it at all. No-one's outraged. Sickened parents led a furious backlash against the BBC last night for airing a TV show starring a character dressed as sex beast Jimmy Savile. Horrified morning viewers watched as Tweeny Max appeared in a spoof of Top of the Pops. He even mimicked the pervert's Yorkshire accent and catchphrases as he introduced a song called One Finger, One Thumb. Disgusted parents branded the show a total disgrace and Twitter was deluged with complaints. Dad, Mark Roberts, 42, who sat down to watch Tweenies with his six-year-old daughter said he, would made, he had made a complaint to Telewatchdog Ofcom. He fumed, It's completely out of order. It's not right for anyone to be dressed as that evil man, let alone a children's TV character. Let me say that sentence again. It's not right for anyone to be dressed as that evil man. The complete lack of quality control the BBC have over their programming was absolutely sickening. Someone at the BBC should get the sack for this. It's a total disgrace. <sighs> Shocked Dina Kudinova, 29, of Canterbury, Kent, who watched it with her 14-month-old daughter, who wouldn't have any awareness of the story in the slightest said, for a minute, I thought we were watching some sick spoof. I couldn't believe they broadcast it. They bung a load of old programmes on at weekends without a second thought. It was only a matter of time before something like this got aired. And Dave Reynard, who was watching the show with his young son, said, how inappropriate can they get? Tweenies was trending nationwide on Twitter yesterday. Rachel Mills of Bournemouth tweeted, Can't believe in Tweenies on CBBS today. A character was impersonating Jimmy Savile in a parody of Top of the Pops. What is the BBC thinking? That's more than 140 characters, isn't it? Ah, oh, dearie me. During the Bad Taste sketch, which was filmed probably in about 1999, right, before we, before we knew, Max tells viewers, Hello all you guys and girls out there. Uh, uh, uh. Welcome to the Tweenies Chart Countdown. 
at number four in the tweenies chart with one finger, one thumb. Stop trying to imply that song's a dirty song. It's not a dirty song. It's a lovely kid's song. Stop it. The BBC said in a statement yesterday, this morning, uh, CBBS broadcast a repeat of an episode of the tweenies originally made in 2001. This programme will not be repeated. Am I right to think this is nonsense? Are you outraged by this? Just a quick straw poll. 08459 455 555. Or you can send me a text. 81333. Start your text 3CR. Are you outraged by this? Or do you think, oh, for goodness sakes. Quick straw poll. 81333. Start your text 3CR. Outraged or not bothered? 81333. Start your text 3CR. Now, this is what should be on the front page of these newspapers. Algerian forces are continuing to search the gas plant in the Sahara Desert, where at least 20 more bodies were found yesterday after the end of the hostage crisis. The discovery brings to uh, 80 the total number of dead in the four-day siege by Islamist militants. The bodies haven't been officially identified, but it's being reported they were all hostages. 32 kidnappers were also killed, and five others are said to have been captured, while three remain at large. Three British nationals are now known to have died in the four-day siege. Three more are believed to be dead. A UK resident is also thought to have died. The family of one of the dead hostages has been paying tribute to him. 46-year-old Paul Morgan's mother, Marianne, and his partner, Emma Steele, released a statement last night. Their words are read by an actress. Paul was a true gentleman, a family man. He very much loved his partner, Emma, his mum, brothers and sister, of who he was very proud. He loved life and lived it to the full. He was a professional man, proud to do the job he did, and died doing the job he loved. We are so proud of him, and so proud of what he achieved in his life. We are devastated by Paul's death, and he will be truly missed. We would like to thank the family support officers who are helping us through this difficult time. David Cameron has warned this incident could be the start of a long battle against terrorism in North Africa. He's also warned that the fight against global terrorism may last decades. Colonel Richard Kemp is the former commander of British forces in Afghanistan. I'm entirely in agreement with the, with the Prime Minister's comments. And I think anybody who is surprised to hear it has not been paying attention for um, the last few years because... That quite clearly this anti-Western jihad launched by al-Qaeda and inspired by al-Qaeda and taken up by a number of other groups is going to go on for generations. I don't think, I, I don't have any expectation in my lifetime that I will see an end to it. The Prime Minister has so far ruled out sending British combat troops to the region. The Conservative MP, John Barron, who's a member of the Foreign Affairs Select Committee, agrees. When you've got militant jihadists, you know, threatening to overthrow stable, democratic, friendly governments, then you just cannot stand by because it's going to do those countries harm, it's going to do ourselves harm in the longer term if we allow that to happen. But each case has to be approached on an individual basis. You cannot give a blanket um, go-ahead for these sorts of operations. But logistic support in the case of Mali I think is probably right. I would not want to see troops on the ground. The Foreign Secretary, William Haig, branded the militants cold-blooded murderers and said reports they had executed seven of their hostages before the final uh, battle could well be true. Despite the heavy loss of life, David Cameron has refused to criticise the hardline tactics of the Algerian government, which right from the start ruled out any negotiation with the terrorists. Dr George Joffe, a North African specialist, says he wasn't surprised by the Algerian response to the crisis. The Algerian government has long dealt with uh, hostage crises of this kind. It's never negotiated... It's uh, always offered opportunities for the groups to concern to submit. When they don't, it's then attacked. So in a way, what happened was absolutely predictable. 
The 22 British nationals who survived the attack have been recovering at home with their families. They were flown back to the UK in aircraft chartered by BP and the Foreign Office. David Cameron will make a common statement on the crisis this afternoon. Call 08459 455 555. 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. I'll do the rest of the papers later. Sorry, I got distracted by um, this, this Savile CBB's nonsense. It's going to be really angry. Kids aren't going to make the connection. Kids aren't going to know. Are you, are you outraged by this? On, on the tweenies, there was one of them was dressed up as Jimmy Savile. It was filmed 12 years ago, and it, it snuck through the net. Are you outraged by that, or do you think, oh, for goodness sakes, come on, grow up. More important things in the world, as we've just heard there. Right, with her music this time, she won't be Acapulco, Sophie Tyler and the Travel News. We do have today's possible day on flights to and from Luton Airport, of course, due to the weather this morning. So if you are planning on travelling, do check with your airlines before you leave. Sophie Tyler, BBC Three Counties Radio. You said your name in the report then. Do I not normally? No, you said it at the end. You always say it at the end, and I respect you for doing that, because, listen, <laughs> we're all trying to get a gig after this one, and well done you. <laughs> but you said Sophie in the middle of that report. No, I didn't. You totally did. You totally did, Sophie Tyler. In the middle of it? Towards the end, about you, you said Sophie. I'm convinced you did. I'll have a listen to that. Have back, a listen and, and report then back. We and we'll discuss this in the next 15 minutes. Speak to you a little bit later on, <laughs> Sophie Tyler. Thank you very much indeed. She did. Did you not hear her? She said Sophie. We'll discuss this anon. 6.46, it's Monday the 21st of January. Uh, it's my little boy's first birthday. Now, if you're planning to jet off overseas today, you might be worried about how the snow is going to affect your journey. Well, Luton Airport is open, and it seems to be coping rather well with the snow. I'm joined now by Oliver Jaycock from the airport. Morning, Oliver. Good morning. How are conditions affecting the airport? Well, the teams on the ground have done a very good job over the last 72 hours, so we've remained fully operational over the uh, entire period. You've not cancelled any, any flights? We've not had to cancel good any for you. flights. Well done. So it's worth letting people know, however, that the weather has taken its toll uh, overseas. So today is the first time that we are going to see some cancellations with flights flying in to Luton. None of the departing flights, but flights arriving okay. at Luton. And so flights from Geneva... Paris, Amsterdam and Dortmund have uh, been cancelled. How, how have you managed to get all of your flights going out when loads of other airports, I mean, the, the Heathrow cancelled, it, it cancelled, I think, 15% of their flights. How have you kept 100% going out? Well, I can't speak on behalf of the other airports, but uh, ultimately it's all down to a very uh, tried and tested snow plan and an incredible bunch of people that have worked around the clock to really battle their wits against the elements and uh, fortunately they've done such a good job we've remained fully operational Luton Airport 1, nature nil <laughs> if people want to find out about their flights Oliver and, and just check things, where, where can they go? Well the advice to passengers is obviously to check with their airline, check their flight trackers, uh, the status of their flights before making any journeys to the airport, just to be certain. Oliver, listen, thank you very much and do let us know, I'm sure we'll be in touch if anything uh, changes out there. Well our snow correspondent Justin Dealey has been speaking to some passengers this morning, he joins us now. Justin, the, the roads are awful, yeah. uh, you couldn't drive to, to the airport, you had, did you get a cab in the no, end? I, I did drive you in the did end, drive. I, I just couldn't take our big radio right. car, which, which is rather large. So I took uh, one of the smaller cars. The roads up to the airport, I was looking down Airport 
short way right now. The roads look absolutely fine. It's some of those minor roads, yeah. of course, that, that are going to be problematic. But Airport Way uh, certainly moving. I'm here in the uh, Holiday Inn car park. Lots of snow here. I've been talking to passengers, and this is what they've had to say. Well, Mick, you got your suitcase with you. Tell us where you're off to this morning. I'm off to uh, Edinburgh Airport. And for how long? For the week. And in terms of your flight, you know, for a fact, it's definitely still on this morning? Oh, yeah. I've been watching it now for the last couple of days. They seem to be going out regular enough. It seems Luton Airport are uh, pretty much set up for being able to get flights out. And that's a great thing locally, because when you look at Heathrow Airport over the weekend, we've seen all the photographs in the newspapers here, it doesn't seem to have been too much disruption. Great news for Luton Airport. Yeah, exactly. Makes a, makes a big old difference if you can actually get to an airport and get out of it. Well, madam, you're just about to go back to Essex. Why are you here in Luton? We were supposed to uh, fly into Stansted. Well, originally we were flying to London City. We had to take another flight to Stansted, but that was cancelled, so we had to take a flight to Luton instead. It must have been very, very frustrating for you, though. Uh, yeah, it was a long day yesterday, um, waiting to see whether our flights had been cancelled or not. Mind you, as you come out here of the, the hotel, look at all this snow. You can understand why that flight was, was rescheduled. That's right, yeah. It is um, very bad weather conditions. And the journey home for you back to Elford, how long is that going to take, you think, this morning? Um, I think two hours. Right. I'm hoping, because I need to get to work. And Dublin. Tell us, out of ten, how great Dublin was. Um, Dublin was lovely, yeah. We had a good... We had a nice weekend. We went over for somebody's birthday party. And a word here with Simon. Simon, you're going to Poland today. Poland, yeah. uh, any delays for you? Yeah, it's only 15 minutes, so... You must be delighted with that. Yeah, it's not bad. I mean, when we look here at all the snow, uh, here comes your taxi for you. Um, 15 minutes is nothing in the grand scheme, is it, really? Definitely not. Definitely could be a lot worse. Is the weather better out there or worse? Um, I think it's a little bit better. Go and enjoy the... Cheers. Thank you. Didn't that lady sound bunged up, Justin? Yes, she did. She, she did. Bless her. Blow your nose. Oh, I've just been to, to Dublin, had a few drinks, also a bit nippy. I think <laughs> I've got a cold. I've got a question for you, Ian, very, very briefly. Yes, sir. Uh, yesterday I was in Hemel, yeah. and I saw two people picking up snow and then eating it. What on earth is that all about? Well, first of all, never eat the yellow snow. That's, yes. that's <laughs> a, a, a schoolboy uh, basic. Eating snow? Yes, yes. I saw it twice yesterday. What, separately? Yes, it may just be crazy people in Hemel where I live, but ha- have, and, has, has anybody else seen this? And, and why would you want to pick up snow from the ground and oh, eat it? Oh, it's filthy. It? Listen, it, look, it looks pure. It's dirty. Yeah, nasty. Oh, oh wait, four five nine four double five five double five. Have you seen these deviants wandering around picking up snow and shoving it in their mouths? Thank you for that, Justin. Are you there all morning? I'll be here for the next hour at least. Lovely. See you later on. Right, let's go to uh, Sophie Tyler. Hello, Sophie. Good morning. No, no, calm down. Calm down. We'll we'll get into the travel in a second. The travel's secondary at the moment. Okay. I challenged you earlier on. I said that you (laughs) said you said your name in the last travel report. I have a clip now. Shall I play it and let's see who's right? I know exactly which bit it was. Okay, continue. Let's have a listen. This is this is from the earlier travel report. So things may have changed. Let's have a listen. Do you have today's possible day on flights to and from Luton Airport? Of course, due to the weather this morning. So if you are Sophie, there you go. You said it. You totally said it. I think you'll find what it meant to say and what it did say was so. If you are, you said Sophie. That's your name. Stop trying to drop your name in. Subliminally, right. <laughs> Let's, um, hang on a second. Let's get the. Oh, look, we've missed. Them. For God's sake. Well, we are doing it Acapulco now. Hang on a second. No, you're not going to. No, listen. Everyone can wait, for goodness sakes. I'm going to drag this up here. I'm going to press this. You shall go to the ball, Cinderella. There's your music. Give it everything you've got. <laughs> listener how did you embrace the snow this weekend it scuppered my plans to go and visit my dad in gloucester well it, it, it kind of slowed them down a bit i was supposed to stay there friday night couldn't do it 
was a little bit upset Friday, and then Saturday morning I woke up, still couldn't go. Bit upset, but we made the most of it. We embraced it. We went to the local park, pulled my boy on the sledge. Wouldn't let, the, wouldn't let his young brother go on the sledge at all. Uh, and, and went sledging, made snowmen, and had hot chocolate. Superb. How did you embrace the snow? Lots of other things coming up in the next hour of the show, including... One in five children in parts of Beds, Hearts and Bucks are obese. We'll hear from a public health manager from Bedfordshire about why mums and dads don't always recognise that perhaps their children are a little bit too fat. How do you think we can stop kids becoming overweight? Hundreds of schools are cl- uh, closed across the three counties because of the snow. We'll have all the latest info for you. And David Cameron's new advisor on childhood says parents should insist on seeing their child's texts and internet exchanges. Are kids entitled to any privacy? Isn't that the same as having a look in their diary? Lots of ways to get in touch. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. You can send me a text. 81333. Start your text 3CR. But look, all of the lines are free. Now is an excellent time to give us a call. 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, more than one in five children aged 10 or 11 are obese in parts of beds, hearts and bucks, according to figures obtained by the BBC. The highest figure, 22%, is in Luton, which is above the national average. Across the NHS, obesity is costing us £4 billion a year, and there's a growing problem with children. There are schemes to encourage people to lead a healthier lifestyle, but the uptake is low. Olu Ogini and her daughter, uh, Tenny, attend the Beasy... Uh, am I saying Beasy properly? It's Busy Bodies. Busy body, Busy Bodies project thank you very much uh, that's you uh, th- th- sorry that's Craig we'll be with you in a second Craig uh, Busy Bodies project in Bedfordshire which aims to promote a healthier lifestyle our reporter you and Duncan went to meet them as they were enjoying the snowy weather at their Bedford home let's be a bit slow man nice and high carrot body yeah body carrot body nose a snowy outlook in the three counties and a chance for mums and dads and their kids to get active but Olu you've already been doing this through Busy Bodies in Bedford haven't you yes I have been we've been for over 10 weeks now so we go um, once a week. It's through the school referrals to the uh, to the NHS. So from there, they pick up our name and we were uh, we sent a letter. What sort of things do they do there? We do exercise. There was a time we had a nutritionist around. They came about two or three times just to tell us about how to be health conscious. We had discussions, uh, open discussions, So, which is, is quite good and helpful. Tenny, what's the best part about Busy Bodies? Well, making new friends and like learning healthy ways to eat, and it's fun. And what type of activities have you done there? Um, we've done swimming, making different meals... Um, healthy pizzas, tennis, loads of different activities. What other ways can children be active? I think children can be active, um, not only by exercise, but like eating healthily and just making sure you don't snack a lot and like doing some regular exercise. What do you think you'll come away with after you've finished at Busy Bodies? Well, I'll come away with lots of new friends and um, a new healthier lifestyle. And Olu, how do you see the children benefit on a weekly basis at Busy Bodies? A lot of the children, if not 10 out of 10, 9 out of 10, have come to realise some of the things they're doing wrong. Because when we started, we had a discussion, most of the children snack a lot. 
and that's one of the reasons why a lot of them have been obese. When they snack a lot, when it's time for food, they hardly have um, room for food and they've eaten the wrong thing. So most of the children, as mentioned, uh, like yesterday when we, when we went, a lot of them said they have benefited from it and they, they've been encouraged to eat more fruit than snack on, on sweets. And at the extreme end, some parents don't accept their children are obese and get angry about it. Is that a problem for the health workers and everyone who tries to tackle the issue? Yes, it could be It could be a problem if the parents don't agree that their children are ob- obese. Because if the parents don't agree, then obviously whatever the NHS does, they won't accept it. So the only way to correct this is to educate the parents themselves as well, not just the children. Well, we heard his voice earlier. Craig Lister is the public health manager in Bedfordshire who coordinates one successful scheme called Busy Bodies. Morning, Craig. Morning. Now listen, I'm a parent, got two lads. If someone came to me, and you're a very nice chap, but if you came to me and said... Yeah, I think one of your kids is uh, obese. I would kind of, I would be a little bit standoffish and a bit, well, excuse me, what, what you're saying, I'm not bringing my kids up properly. Is that the normal reaction you get from parents? Um, I would say it probably is. Yeah. So if I said you as a parent that I think your child's got some allergy issues, mm. you'd probably say, okay, thank you very much, can you help yeah, me? Yeah, what can we do? Let's, let's work through this. And we do some work. But if, as I do, we send letters out and it says, we think your child is very overweight and that's what we call obese, then the, the response is very different. Because the way media has portrayed obesity, what you think now is that I'm telling you that you're a bad parent. Mm. In fact, what I'm saying is that we've identified an issue and we've got some really good programs we can help you with. But that's not your first and foremost thought. And <laughs> you, say, um, you say that some people might think it's a bad Isn't there an implication that it is the parents' fault, though? Because the parents are responsibility for what the ki- uh, responsible for what the kids eat and, to a certain extent, the amount of exercise they get. So is it inadequate parenting no i don't think so at all and um, we don't like to use the term fault because it's not anybody's fault nobody wants their child to be anything other than as healthy as they can be but there's huge pressures on people now around workload access to high quality food or poor food as it is very aggressive advertising from the food companies selling you know not very good quality food high areas with only access to fast foods and particularly sugary drinks people don't think of drink as much but particularly for children Mm. obesity we know that high consumption of sugary drinks is a big issue don't let my boys drink any of that if i have a coke or anything like that around the house what's what's that you've got oh it's medicine oh you wouldn't (laughs) like that it's medicine it's not very nice how does your program work what does your program do to help tackle this problem busy bodies is a family program it's been developed over many years uh, with feedback from professional um clinicians and others but most most importantly with feedback from parents so it's a really engaging program it teaches them about how to be physically active how to cook healthily and they physically do the cooking and eating but more than that we use local coaches throughout bedfordshire to give them fun experiences so things like canoeing archery not what you'd expect not in the gym stuff that's really fun is archery any good for you because all you're doing is standing there and going yeah, but the difference is, whilst you're sitting up the game, badong, which is an excellent sound, Thanks very much. you're not sat in front of a video station eating crisps and sugary drinks and things yep. like that. And that's the difference. If you're being active and having fun, your self-esteem, which is how you feel about yourself, tends to go up, and you tend to want to look after yourself more. Where did we go wrong? Because my mum taught me um, how to play properly and eat properly and, and, and did good food for us. We didn't have much money. and It seems that the, the, the recent, in the recent years, parents have lost those skills. Yeah, possibly. It's in the last 20 or 30 years, we've seen a, a significant increase in the rise of fast food outlets. We find that most um, families now, both parents, have to work. 
And you might go to places where there is nothing other than fast food outlets. Mm. So the choice is limited. The pressures are there. Society is pushing you towards these things. And like I've said before, the, the food companies market these foods very successfully. So it is a difficult decision for people to make. And you have to remember that if you consider ev- evolution, we've evolved to want to seek out sugary foods and fatty foods because mm. we need the energy. So today, for example, it's very cold. We'd need more energy. But, of course, technology is caught up. We don't need that anymore. You can put on a, a decent coat. Yep. We don't do the physical activity that we used to because all the big industry has gone now. Mostly, as, a, as an exercise physiologist, I spend most of my day sat in front of a computer. Yep. So you have to work hard just to stay level. But our programmes help people with that and they give them a much wider range of things they can do. do have you ever had abuse from parents when you've, you've brought this subject up? Um, I have. Really? Yeah. So uh, we do the National Child Measurement Programme yeah. and we send letters out to people. And I get a range from, thank you very much, and you know they want to engage in help, um, to being called a variety of different things with IST at the end. Wow. Um, but that's okay. You know, that's, that's my job to do that. Mm. And... To be honest, I don't really mind, as long as I get a response, because people, first of all, it's a defensive system, and mm. some people uh, become defensive by becoming aggressive, but that doesn't matter, because mostly, once you talk to people on the phone, and I talk to parents quite a lot on the phone, you get to the point where they do want help, mm. and, you know, that's my job to do that. How do you persuade them, then? How do you then, say, get them to go from that point of aggression to actually coming along and, and having a look? Um, it's something you build up over many years of experience. So I don't know if I could tell you exactly how I do it. I do it differently with each person. And we have other staff who are trained in motivational interviewing. Mm. Um, all of us are parents, so I've got a six-year-old girl myself. I know how I go through that process. Um, I sent letters out to all the parents in my village um, last year, so my wife had a few interesting discussions on the school run. But most people get to a point where they understand you're trying to help. The NHS is there to help people. Mm. So I overcome that initial barrier, either myself or with colleagues. We use these programmes. But I think the most important thing I'd like to get across is that not only is the programme successful, which is what we want and parents want, but parents tell us they actually really enjoy it. So it's a 17-week programme, and we've been told many times it's changed my life. And you don't need to be told that very often to sort of make your job worthwhile. It, parenting, I, I struggle for it not, not to think that it's not parenting. I'm slim, my wife's slim, our kids are slim. Very rarely do you see a big child with slim parents because mm. they're kind of just just doing what they're, they're giving the kids to eat what they eat normally aren't they yeah and we know statistically that if both parents are obese the child has a much higher likelihood of being obese particularly if you have an obese mother then with a daughter the daughter's got about a 70 or 80 percent chance mm. of being obese themselves now that's partly to do with nature so we know that you inherit the genetics to sort of predispose you towards being obese that doesn't mean you are going to be obese but it means it's easier for you to become obese yeah and then it's partly through you know the activities that people engage in but again there's a whole range of programs that we've got and you can go on to busybodies.co.uk but to look spell at it because it's spelt funny isn't it um i don't think it's spelt funny it's b-e-e-z-e-e see that's bodies. Be- that's busy that's not busy that's busy no. that's what i've been saying it all morning tomatoes tomatoes but if we'll put all the information on your website for you yep. if that would help your listeners okay um it's a very successful program people actually really enjoy it and you know it's changed people's lives okay Craig, listen thank you very much for coming in Just go back out and, and are, you, are you are you working all day you're gonna go and play with the girl um i'm working most of the day and oh, i'm gonna see okay. how many people are off for school Can't bunk off all the teachers are bunk off i've got the day i'm gonna be spent spending the day in the back garden building a snowman okay do you, think, then- do you think anybody will know <laughs> I don't think they will. thank you very much for that cheers i like craig list who just came in 
He just gave me some food. I told him I didn't have any breakfast. I know, he's there helping kids with obesity. It's one of those healthy bars, though, so d- don't worry. He's not doing anything too naughty. <laughs> all this doom and gloom about the snow, I've had an, I'm, I'm bored of it. It was all, did you see? The BBC News Channel on, on Friday and Saturday, oh my goodness, great. They were wallowing in it. Wallowing. No, no, I'm not having any of that. I'm embracing the snow. And I, I had a frustrating weekend. My dad's very poorly. He's in Gloucester. Wanted to go and see him Friday and spend the night and come back Saturday. Couldn't go Friday. Couldn't go Saturday. In the end, I went Sunday. Took me three hours to get there. Stayed there for an hour and a quarter and I came back three hours again. But at the weekend, I embraced the snow by taking my boys out sledging. Then we came back, had hot chocolates. Then we looked out the window, saw the next door neighbour's kids were having a snowball fight. And they said, do you want to come and... Do you, want, do you want to come and play? <laughs> yeah, I totally want to come and play. How have you embraced the snow? 08459 455 555. Or you can text 81333. Start your text 3CR. Jez in High Wickham says, Ian, I embraced the snow at the weekend with sledging Friday and snowball fights and building snowmen yesterday. It appears I've got to be off work today as the schools are still shut. Oh dear, what a pity. I may have to go sledging with my son again. We have the rest of the year to go back to normal and all be miserable so we should all just enjoy it while it lasts. I completely... Do you agree, Justin? Absolutely. What did, you, what did you do in the snow yesterday? Did uh, you go make snow angels? I embraced it by looking at it, by feeling it, <laughs> and watching people have fun in it. That's how I embraced did you the not, snow. Did you... How, how many snowballs have you thrown this weekend? Um, do you know what? I've been very sensible this weekend oh, because, um, you know, g- going back to, uh, to to the past, I used to throw snowballs at people and you don't want to throw snowballs at the wrong person. Let me just no. leave it at that. Okay. Well, ju- yes. Justin, listen. Are you, are you outside now? I am, and it's freezing. Is there snow there? Yes, lots of it. Have you got gloves on? Uh, no. Tough. <laughs> make, a, make a snowball, and yep. thro- make a snowball, pat it together with your yep. cold pink fingers, and lob it. And tell me how good that feels. Okay, let me do it right now. Here we go. Hold on. Oh, hold on. Oh, that is cold. That is cold. Yeah, it's snow. I'm patting it I know. <laughs> of course it's cold. It's snow. So here we go. Oh, that felt quite good. I just, I, just, I just threw that about ten yards. It doesn't feel good, Justin. It feels amazing. It's freeing. And you, yeah. What you've just done there is you've just touched your soul. Your soul yeah. has just woken up a little bit. And it doesn't cost a penny. Doesn't cost a penny. It's wonderful. You've got news on the school closures, have you, sir? Yes, I have. I've got um, a few here in Luton in Bedfordshire. Quite a few to get through. Um, the first one is Ignild High School. They are closed except for Year 11, the GCSE exam. <laughs> oh, so I'm using oh that. So, dear. Oh, the school's closed today. But if you've got a GCSE exam, get yourself into school. Oh, dear, oh, dear, so, oh, dear. Um, that one is definitely closed today, apart from the GCSE people. Um, Cardinal Newman Catholic, Leland's High, Hartill Nursery, Passeridge High, Passeridge Primary, Norton Road Primary, Ashcroft High, Foxdale Junior, St Margaret of Scotland Catholic Primary, Bramingham Primary School, St Martin de Paul's Primary, Warden Hill Infant and Junior, Beechwood Primary, Icknill Primary, Oakwood Primary, Whitefield Primary, Teeny Days Nursery in Luton, Ferris Infant and Nursery as well, Ramridge Primary School, Stopsley High, Hilborough Infants, Denby High, Chorney Boys, Chapel Street Nursery. Chorney Boys. Chorney Boys. Uh, Lee Gray Primary School, William Austin Infant School, Farley Junior, Southfield Primary, Round Green Preschool, St. Joseph's Infant School, Jill Blowers Nursery School, the Community Link Children's Centre, Wallard. Sounds a bit like Willard the dog. Wallard. Wallard Primary School, Butley Road Preschool, Chorney 
Infants, Little Gems Nursery, nice name there, Heart Hill Nursery School and Children's Centre, uh, the Dallow Primary School in Luton, the Hatters Children's Centre, the Meads Primary School in Luton, Shawley High School for Girls, Chantry Primary Academy, and just a few more to go here, Ferris Junior School, the First Steps Preschool, the Wenlock Junior School, and finally, and finally. the Crawley Green Infant School. All those closed okay. in Luton today. Justin, could you go through that list one more time? I missed some. <laughs> I thought you please. might have missed it. Are you being serious? Yes, please. Uh, uh, really? <laughs> <laughs> no, let's... Oh, oh, that was a relief. Listen, those are the ones in the For the yes. rest of uh, beds as well as hearts and bucks, go to our website, bbc.co.uk forward slash three counties. Thank you, Justin. Thank you. Has anybody phoned in, by the way, who's uh, admitted to eating snow? Have you found anything Nobody has called in to admitting to eating... Would you like to try some for us? Uh, no, I wouldn't. Thank you very much, Justin. I'll tell you what I want. This is what I want. Forget all of the other things I've put out as phoners, OK? I want a, a young person under the age of 16 whose school is closed today to phone in. And I want a young person under the age of 16 whose school is open to phone in today. And I want the, the, the person whose school is closed to gloat. That's what I want. I want you to gloat. So if your school is closed today... Oh, if you're a mum or a granddad or a grandparent or whatever, get your kid to call in if their school is closed. And likewise, if, you're, if you've got a child in your house or in your family who's going to school because their school is open, get them to call in. I want to put them head to head. 08459 455 It's easy to read a list of, of places out. I want to get the human perspective on this, on a little bit of gloating and maybe some tears. 08459 455 555. Now... GPs in the three counties say the NHS is too generous in treating overseas nationals who don't pay for services. Bedfordshire MP Andrew Salou says he's been contacted by several GPs with concerns about the cost to the health service. Well, Mr Salou joins me now, as does Lee Danes, Executive Director of Doctors of the World, which provides a clinic for asylum seekers and people who can't afford NHS treatment in uh, London. Morning, gentlemen. Good morning. Good morning. Andrew, let's start with you. What, what, what have GPs told you and how many GPs have said this? Well, it's, um, it's the organisation which represents all the GPs in Bedfordshire and Hertfordshire. This is the Bedfordshire and Hertfordshire Local Medical Committee and it's their chief executive who's written not just to me but um, to all MPs in Bedfordshire and Hertfordshire to raise the concerns of local G- GPs about uh, visitors to this country who are abusing free NHS care when they're not in need of um, emergency treatment. These are people who've never paid uh, into the NHS and are coming here for the, uh, from overseas, uh, in some cases for the sole purpose of, of actually trying to get operations. Um, it's always been clear that people in need of emergency care, of course the NHS has a duty to treat them. But these uh, were non um, emergency cases, and you know this is something which local GPs are very concerned about, and I'm pleased to see um, that the government is looking into this issue and is hoping to make an announcement on it shortly. Do we have any idea how many cases there are? Well, it, it, I think this is probably part of the problem at the moment in that the checks are not sufficiently rigorous, but we do have a national health service. It's not a world health service. You know, this is for uh, British people who've paid into it through their taxes. It's obviously un- un- under strain at the moment. We are putting, you know, £12.5 billion extra into it, but it, it doesn't have infinite resources. But Andrew, is it, the, the point again, is, is, it, is it 10? Is it 1,000? Is it 10,000? Have we got any kind of vague ballpark figure? Well, I, I don't have any figures in this letter, but it is, as I say, from the Chief Executive of the Bedford and Hertfordshire Local Medical Committee. He's obviously been asked by local GPs to write to the government, copying it to all MPs in Bedfordshire and Hertfordshire. There is a meeting at the Department of Health this Tuesday about this matter, and the government are 
looking into it because it, it's not just a problem occurring locally. I think it is a, a national problem. There was a panorama, panorama program on this on the 3rd of October last year. Um, so the BBC are obviously aware of this issue. Well, Andrew, let me interrupt. Lee, Lee let me put this, let me put this uh, to you. Lee Dane's Executive Director of Doctors of the, of the World. Do you think the GPs have a point, Lee? Uh, I do, insofar as the current guidelines are extremely confusing. So I should perhaps explain that Doctors of the World is an international health charity that works in 70 countries. Our work is delivered by volunteer healthcare professionals, uh, including doctors. And we run a clinic in East London, as you say, for people who struggle to get access to the primary care, to which actually they are entitled because they live in the United Kingdom. And this is part of the confusion. What are we actually talking about? Uh, anyone in this country who is resident uh, can register with a GP. Uh, GPs are confused about the guidelines, and the guidelines need to be sorted out. But that's a very different thing from talking about health tourists who may well come here to seek to ex- exploit the system, but actually in our experience of, of running this clinic in East London for seven years, less than 2% of the people that we see uh, left their country for personal health reasons, and three-quarters who have a chronic health condition were unaware of that condition before they left their country of origin, and in fact most people don't have it, uh, an awareness of their entitlement to essential primary So it's, it's a small number, Lee, that, that, that are deliberately abusing the system, and, and you think that perhaps uh, the, the numbers are being exactly exaggerated to whip up a little bit of fear? Well, I think it is, it is very much the case that uh, uh, n- nobody knows uh, the extent of the issue in numbers terms. And in fact, when we asked the Department of Health last uh, Friday to tell us how many uh, foreign nationals are registered with GPs in this country, uh, they couldn't answer that question. So there is something to be done to sort out the numbers. There's something to be done to sort out the guidelines which direct GPs in who they should not shouldn't register. But as it stands right now, anyone resident in the United Kingdom can uh, register with a GP, and GPs must not put barriers in the way of access to primary health care. Andrew, the, the guidelines need to, to at least be made clearer and, and, and at best change a little bit. Is, is, is that going to happen? Yeah. Yes, and I, I think Lee and I are saying pretty much the same thing in that we want to know the numbers. We need to start collecting figures um, and we need to be clearer with GPs as to what the rules are and particularly the difference between primary and secondary care if we're talking about sending people to hospital for expensive operations. And as I said, you know, it's quite right. We should never turn away people who need um, emergency treatment but where you know, people have an ongoing condition and they've come to this country um, in the hope that the NHS will give them treatment that you know, it's maybe going to take them... But Lee's saying that's, 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 that's not that many people at all who, who well, fall into that category. See, we don't know because Lee himself has just said, and I, you know, I think this makes my point for me, that we don't have the figures and that in itself is, is really slightly shocking. So I think we've got to start recording these matters better. Um, I, I didn't really like your use of the phrase whipping up fear. I mean, I don't think that's what the Bedfordshire and Hertfordshire Local Medical Committee made up of local GPs would want to do. They're a responsible body. They've gone into medicine to care for people. Um, you know, if, if they have written a formal letter to all members of Parliament in Bedfordshire and Hertfordshire, I think, you know, we should take that seriously and we shouldn't be alarmist about it. We should start collecting the information, making sure there are clear rules so that um, the NHS has been used for the purposes, you know, for which it's been properly 
set up. That's all I'm saying. I'm glad the government are taking this seriously. Um, they're looking into this issue, hoping to make an announcement on it. So I think ministers do recognise the uh, rules and procedures are not sufficiently clear for GPs and for hospitals. And, you know, I, I would welcome greater clarity on this issue, as I'm sure that most people listening to this programme would. Gentlemen, we have to leave it there. Thank you very much. And uh, Bedfordshire MP, Andrew Salou, and uh, Lee Danes, Executive Director of Doctors of the World. 7.31, News and Sport now with Catherine. Whoa, whoa, hang on a second, hang on a second. Let's, we, 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 we can do this. We've got, uh, hang on a second, hang on a second. Catherine, either? I am. Yeah, I don't know what's going on with this computer today. Hang on a second, hang on a second. Let's do this. Right, nobody's noticed. <clears throat> Take two. 731, here's the news and sport with Catherine Boyle. <laughs> No, hang on, is that right? No. That's not the right no one, mind. is it? No, I'll just do it a cappella. No, 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 you're not going to do it with your clothes off. We're going to get this right. <laughs> hang on a second. It says news. Right, let's try again. Okay. <clears throat> no one's noticed. Right. Take three. It's nearly 7.45. Here's the news and sport now. It's 7.31. Here's the news and sport now. Fingers crossed, touch wood, with her clothes on, Catherine Boyle. Getting yes. beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Seamless, the headlines. And that's your latest news and sport. More from me at eight o'clock. Be honest, Kath. Yeah. Do you think anyone noticed? Nah, not a thing. Excellent. Oh, for goodness now sake! Now something! <laughs> oh! On FM, FM, what? What and on is... No, hang on. This is Ian Lee. What on earth on is going BBC on this morning? Three Counties Radio. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, everyone. What on earth is going on with this blooming computer this morning? That may have been my fault. I'm not going to lay claim to that at all. Right, coming up in the next 30 minutes of the show... I want, uh, uh, if your school has been closed, can you give us a call? And if your school has not been closed, can you give us a call? I want to put you head to head. I want a little bit of smugness and maybe some tears. 08459-455-555. Also, ca- uh, David Cameron's new advisor on childhood says parents should insist on seeing their child's texts and internet exchanges. How much privacy do you think children should be entitled to? And you may be worried about getting around on the bus today. We'll have the latest information about how the snow is affecting services. Now, let me try this. Beautiful. Call 08459 455 555. 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Sue has emailed him. About childhood obesity. My child was highlighted as obese when he was 11 because his weight-height ratio calculation said so. What that fails to recognise is children who have a high percentage of muscle. As a keen gymnast and trampolinist from age four, our son had a lot of muscle and hardly any body fat. Muscle weighs more than fat. We had to ring up to complain as we were sent a leaflet and a letter which effectively told us we were bad parents. I would suspect you're in the minority. I, d- I don't remember seeing that many muscular 11-year-olds. But yes, a point taken, Sue. Thank you very much. Indeed. Now, have you ever read your child's private Facebook message or snooped through their phone? Would you? Yeah, I would. I totally, no, I, I totally would. It's the same, it's the old dilemma. Oh, if you found your child's diary, would you read it? Yes, of course I would. I want to know exactly what they're up to. Well, in the papers this morning, David Cameron's new advisor on childhood is urging us all to snoop through Facebook messages and have a look on their phone. Claire Perry says parents should insist on seeing their children's texts and internet exchanges. She believes that in a world where youngsters are surrounded by online danger, online dangers, uh, parents should make sure they know what their offspring are saying. Well, we can talk now to Dr Ellie Lear, Director of the Centre for Parenting Culture Studies from the University of Kent. Good morning, Doctor. Hi there. Do you agree with this? Should we be snooping on our kids? Um, 
No, I don't, well, I, the thing, first thing that I don't agree with is the idea that we should have a government advisor for childhood um, who issues edicts about what parents should do. Um, because I think with this type of matter, like really everything about um, bringing up kids in the real world, um, guidelines and rules from politicians rarely help. Um, and what makes much more sense for parents to do, which actually I think is what most parents do, um, is to use their instincts um, and to use the, their understanding of their child to work out what's best because uh, children grow up in different ways, children have different experiences and parents know their own children best. Um, so I find it very objectionable that yet again um, we have um, politicians thinking they know better than parents about what's the best thing to do. Would you, ever look, at a, would you ever look at a child's Facebook, private Facebook messages on, on, on the computer? Well, I, I might do, and it would depend on the circumstance. Um, the thing that I think is completely wrong-headed, though, um, about the overall framing of this particular um, new directive to parents is that it's entirely built on an over-exaggerated sense of fear mm. um, about the world that we live in. And I think it's very, very unfortunate. It's really built on a um, script, a kind of very moralised script, um, which has developed over um, two or three decades now, um, which begins, as I'm sure everybody will remember, with the way um, we've increasingly come to talk about and think about the outside world, where we talk about it as if it's full of dangerous strangers. Hang on, Doctor. Um, Are you telling me that the, that the internet, and indeed the real world, isn't full of paedophiles lurking behind every corner? No, I don't think it is. But, but, but that's what I've been reading in the papers all the time. Well, this is what... <laughs> is what I'm saying. I think that we've got a very troubling um, cultural I agree, now, I agree. Which suggests that we have... Um, oh, you're okay, you're shaking. No, I, do, I, I totally agree with you. Um, it's all hyped up to a nonsense. <laughs> oh, no, no, I'm not that ridiculous and, and, and right. obnoxious. Okay. No, of course, we, there is this culture <laughs> of fear that... The, oh, no, the, oh, there's paedophiles everywhere. Paedophiles on the internet. Oh, paedophiles. Well, come on. Well and, well, and I think it's had very serious implications for childhood, actually. Yeah. Um, and, you know, sometimes you get glimmers where even politicians manage to... Um, find some sense and can see this going on. So we do get worries expressed about the fact that we now have uh, children's growing up experience being much more constrained compared to how it used to be, um, where kids, you know, are, are less likely to walk to school, for example, unaccompanied, um, where parks have become much more policed, where um, outdoor spaces are much less friendly towards children, um, not because... Um, adults are being you know proactively horrible to them um but just because we've created a situation um where we don't believe anymore that it's okay for children to be out there and um experiment um and learn things for themselves and i think that really what's going on at the moment very very sadly is that that overall way of thinking about things is now um, basically jumped inside the home <laughs> mm. into the way that we're now thinking what? about computers and, and technology. It's the thing, thing with computers and the internet is it's still comparatively new, really. Uh, I, I, I've got two boys, they're only three and one, but I, I've got no idea... What, what age would should you allow, should you? What age would you recommend allowing kids to go on the internet unsupervised? Well, I think that this is this is the type of thing that parents have to use their common sense about. Yeah. I mean, the, the the point at which any child would even sort of be interested in doing that, other than, I mean, you know, 
I've got a, um, a seven-year-old who's, um, you know, I mean, largely because they do a lot of this stuff at school, but he's now very interested in computers and can actually sort of um, use the internet a bit. So he's sort of starting to get to a point where he might get more interested in it. But obviously little children, all they do is bash their mother's keyboards and break things. Yeah. So obviously it's a process that you develop with your child. Um you know, and at some point, um, you know, I guess probably around the age of 10 or 11 or something, kids start to want to experiment about these things and look for themselves, and you just have to use common sense about guiding them. Um, would you ever, sn- would you ever snoop it, on... I don't, think it, I don't think it makes sense to begin that conversation on the basis of just being scared of it. Would you, you ever know, snoop on your kids, Doctor? Because I've got this, it's that classic dilemma. You go into your kid's bedroom and their diary is on the bed. Do you read it? I, th- I think up to about the age of um, f- 14, I probably would. Um, I hope I wouldn't, actually. Um, I mean, I think it depends um, if you've got pre-existing worries or concerns, yep. if you think something's going wrong. But I do think it really, really matters for kids um to be able to give to to have some space where they can um experiment um try and work out a bit who they are um and have some privacy Uh, i think that's a very important thing i mean it's obviously it's something as adults we very much value you know our privacy is something that's uh, very very important to us and you know when kids are in their teenage years obviously they're going through a transition of getting one from one to the other um, and begin to identify a sense that having a private world um, is something that's very important for them. And I think that one of the things that's going on, one of the reasons why kids are, are spending so much time online um, is because, as I say, because very sadly we've made the, um, the, the way in which interactions used to happen much more difficult um, for people when they're growing up. And then these are spaces people use to experiment with their identity and work out a bit who they are. And I think that in itself, that's a positive thing. I don't think it's something to be scared of. Okay, we have to end it there. Dr Ellie Lee, Director of the Centre for uh, Parenting Culture Studies at University of Kent. There is that whole thing, oh no, 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 don't let your kids out. They might get run over, they might get picked up by a paedophile, they might break a leg. Kids are meant to break legs. That they are. I, I, I know they are. I tell you because if a kid, I remember a kid in my school. I've never broken a bone in my body, and I'm terrified because it will happen one day, and I've got no idea how painful it's going to be. But when a kid broke a, an arm or a leg in my school, right? They were a hero. They were a hero because they got... I remember a kid falling off a climbing frame at school, broke his arm. He was a hero because he got taken to hospital. He's a hero because an ambulance came. He was a hero when he came back a week later with his arm in a cast. Hero! It's all part of growing up, is doing that and seeing that happen. I'm not saying go out and break a kid's leg, for goodness sakes. It's a ridiculous thing. But um, everyone's... uh, Everyone's too... (sighs) Oh, paedophiles everywhere. They're not. There are no more than they were before. Uh, we're talking about um, uh, doctors. Some doctors apparently are worried that too many people are coming from overseas to uh, use and abuse the NHS system. Mike is in Bedford. Mike, what's your experience of this? Good morning, Ian. Good morning. Um, um, I went to a, I go to a certain hospital. I don't go to Bedford Hospital. That's, that's beside the point. Um, anyway, I use Hinchingbrook. I was over there last June, July, because I've got to have a new knee on the 23rd of this month. Oh, dear. Um, it's age-related, you know, six, 64, you're on the, on the heap. Anyway. Well, 64 well, no, it is quite old, actually, <laughs> you're right, carry on. Anyway, I zoomed in Henshinbrook, got in the waiting room, me being sort of fairly outgoing, chatting to these two people next to me. Oh, you're one of them. No, didn't get a word out of them. Oh. So I sat there, and anyway, a chap came in about two minutes later, sat next to me, 
He said, good afternoon. I said, well, at least you're speaking more than these other couple of people. He said, what's the problem? I said, well, I just passed the time of day. Good afternoon. No, nothing. He said, well, I'm not surprised they don't speak English. So I said, how do you know that? He said, well, I'm their interpreter. They've come in from the Czech Republic for a cartilage operation tomorrow, and then they're back home on Thursday. Gone. So I said, they don't live here then. He said, no. He said, I'm their interpreter. So they come over just to get a free cartilage uh, operation done, and then they uh, go back home. Yeah. See that? I, I think most people uh, would 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 agree that that's um, that's an abuse of the system and is a little bit naughty. But how do how do we stop that, Mike? We can't stop that, can we? Well, I don't know. I mean, we're in the EU. I've re- I wrote to my MP about it. Got no reply at all. You know, I've paid into my national insurance and everything since I was sixteen. I'm sixty-four now. Um, I've paid for it. They paid nothing. Mikey Bedford, thank you. I'm sorry to cut you off short there. 08459 455 555. Have you come across that? Or do you think it's all a little bit of... We're we're worrying about nothing there. Or maybe, you, like Mike, you've been in the hospital and you've seen this happen. 08459 455 555. The snow... I love the snow. I love it. The snow was a bit of a nuisance at the weekend. Couldn't go and visit a relative who was poorly. Was a bit gutted. A little bit upset Friday. Saturday morning thought, oh, I still can't go. But then I turned that frown upside down, as irritating Americans say, uh, and I embraced the snow. How have you embraced the snow? Facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR. Gary Henderson says, I didn't embrace it. I hate the flipping stuff. Oh, Gary. Bah humbug. Boo hiss. April says, this is how we and many others embrace the snow. We headed for the hills. Stuart, I went sledging with my daughter, made a snowman and generally had a great time. Um, Gillian said, oh no, hang on a second, let's see where we, we got a little bit further down here. Um, yes, I was wearing those jeans all weekend. I've been wearing the same pair of jeans. I've changed my jeans since then. How did you embrace the snow? I went out, had a fantastic time sledging. Came back, hot chocolates all round. Then we saw, ne- we looked next door, they're having a snowball fight in the back garden. Do you want to come over? Too right, we do. Wonderful. Wonderful. How did you embrace the snow? None of this doom and gloom. Well, a little bit of doom and gloom, because before you think about taking the day off because you can't get into work, let's find out exactly how the snow is affecting public transport, OK? Let's just make sure your excuse tallies up with the facts. Lindy Frostick is from Arriva Buses. Morning, Lindsay. Good morning. How are your buses holding up in this weather? Um, well, for people who don't want to go to work, I'm going to disappoint them, because ah. we're actually doing pretty good today. Lindsay, um, you've, Lindsay you've <laughs> let down everybody. They want to... Well, the got to go in. Well, I suppose, exactly. I'm in, you're in, they should mm. go in. Good for you. So, go on, what's happening? Um, well, actually, across all three counties, we've only got one service which isn't running at the moment, and that's the number four in Aylesbury, and um, we're hoping to put that back on a bit later. And then other than that, it's just certain estates or minor roads or little villages that can't be served. Um, and all routes are operating. So across Bucks, we've got a few problems in High Wycombe where cars were abandoned last night. So we're hoping that improves as people go to get them. Yep. Um, so we've got some of the hills not being served. Um, in Hemel Hempstead, um, the 1 and 1A and the 2 and 3 have slight disruption, but nothing major. And then in, we're not able to serve Oxley or Lily on the way into Luton or the way out to Stevenage, but again, we're hoping that will clear up soon. Um, Milton Keynes is doing very well. We've got one estate in the whole of Milton Keynes not being served, which is Red House Park. And in Luton, um, everything is going all right. We've got um, Carlwood Road at the back of the hospital not being served and a couple of the hills um, on the 13 and 14. Other than that, we are doing pretty well. Lindsay, did you embrace the snow this weekend? I did go sledging. Yeah, oh, you yeah. see! Did, and did you have children with you? 
One, yeah, and uh, a dog. <laughs> and is it? Come on, listen. It's a pain in the backside, but was wasn't it fun? Didn't you feel at nine years old again? Yeah, oh. I suppose. Oh, <laughs> it was very cold. It was, it was flipping cold. I felt nine when I was doing it, and then when I got back home and I was shattered, and I had to carry two Did children you? and a sledge, I felt l- about 50. Exactly. Yeah. Lindsay, listen, what's the website if people want to just have a quick look at the buses online? Um, all the updates will be on there throughout the day, and it's arivabus.co.uk. Lindsay, thank you very much indeed. Now, some of the, we've had a long list of the schools that are closed. bbc.co.uk uh, forward slash three counties. Go and have a look. Some of them are open. Now, Maisie is uh, seven. M- morning, Maisie. Good morning. Seven years old. You're from Bedford. Are you one of the lucky ones? Are you bunking off or are you going in? I'm going to school. Oh, no, Maisie. What school do you go to? Shortstown Lower School. And that school is open, is it? Yeah. Oh, are you disappointed? No. Oh, why? I, well, you, you, you're keen to go to school. Because it's my friend's last day. Oh, it's your friend's last day. Who's your friend? Um, Jessica. Jessica. And why is it her last day? Is she is she moving? Yeah. Where's she going to? Do you know? London. She's going to that there London to to live forever. Yeah. Oh, are you sad? Yeah. Are you going to miss Jessica? What have you got planned today? Have you got any surprises for her, or any presents, or cards? Um, well, me and Jessica are going to her favourite game, Scooby-Doo, so we're going to play that today. Oh. How do you play Scooby-Doo? Yeah. What, what, uh, and is Jessica your best best friend in the world? Yeah. Oh, Maisie, you're going to be heartbroken. Well, you, you can keep in touch on the telephone and you could... Hey, you could write each other letters like the old days. That would be nice, wouldn't it? Yeah. Okay. So you're you're glad. Well, I'm glad that your school is open, Maisie, um, and you have a lovely day with Jessica and send her our love, won't you? Okay. Thank you for calling in, Maisie. Well, there you go. Look, see that? That's what we want. Young lady, there. She's got to go to school, and nearly all of the other schools are closed, and she's happy to go to school because she's saying goodbye to her friend. Wonderful stuff. Well, we have um, sent. Uh, if you're planning to jet off overseas, you may be worried about how the snow is going to affect your journey. Luton Airport is counting. It's coping quite well. Now, hasn't thrown a snowball in years until this morning, correspondent Justin Dealey has been speaking to some passengers. He joins us now. Morning, Justin. Yes, hello, Ian. That, that is certainly me, I have to say. Um, two cancellations this morning here right. at Luton Airport. That was the 7.05 departure, the EasyJet departure to Paris, and also the EasyJet flight coming back from Paris at 10.20. So, two cancellations, but as you look on the boards here, the majority of flights certainly taken off on time. I've been talking to passengers this morning, and this is what they've had to say. Well, Cathy, our listeners are going to be very jealous. Tell us where you're going today. Um, Sharm El Sheikh in Egypt. And the temperature out there at the moment? Well, it should be 29. (laughs) (laughs) A lot better than that out of the window. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Are you concerned your flight may be delayed or even cancelled today? It must have been a concern over the weekend for you, surely. Yeah, we were worried, but when we arrived yesterday we saw that planes were taking off and landing, so... And what's the situation? Have you checked your, your flight details for today already? Not up there yet. Should be in the next half an hour. And is this your first time in Egypt? Yes. <laughs> excitement. Mother and daughter going abroad today. You just must feel so smug going abroad when it's like minus two here. Yeah, I can't wait. Well, Ian, we've just spoken to somebody who's going to Egypt. Tell us about your plans today. Where are you flying to from Luton Airport? Uh, family's flying to Romania today. And any news on delays or cancellations for you so far? None specifically, so we're just going to go to the airport and sort of find out from there, hopefully. 
I mean, you must be thrilled, though, that over the weekend there hasn't been a single cancellation here at Lewiston Airport. That must tell you that the airport is running efficiently. It is useful, because, I mean, seeing on the news, you know, you hear the likes of Heathrow, and mm. flights being cancelled, so it's, you know, it is very good news that, you know, things seem to be OK here, so... Well, madam, here you are with your suitcase. Tell us where you're flying to today. Well, I'm flying to Belgrade, Serbia today, 8.50, yes. And is that flight still on time? <laughs> yes, it is. As I, as I could see in the hotel, it is, yes. I mean, that is amazing, because yeah, all really. weekend you must have been panicking about this, surely? I was very panicking, yes. I, I was not sure if I will fly or not, stay here. I have two children at home, so uh, hardly waiting to see them. So hopefully I will fly off today, yeah. Hopefully, for your sake, <laughs> yeah. absolutely. And um, you say you're flying back home. How long have you been in the UK for? Uh, one week. Any good? Wonderful. I've been to Scotland, Edinburgh and uh, Glasgow, yes, for a conference and then later staying with a friend, just having sightseeing and a good time, yeah. I love this country. <laughs> I think it's uh, the most beautiful country in the world. And when you look around now and you see the snow, it makes yes. it even better, doesn't it? Well, yes, <laughs> snow is <laughs> nice, not but not when you have to fly. <laughs> OK, the award, uh, Justin, for sexiest accent of the morning <laughs> goes to that young lady you just spoke to. What a wonderful accent! Well, do you know what? A wonderful accent. She looked very glamorous as well. But do you know what? That smile on her face, because uh, there was that sheer panic all weekend, as yeah. she mentioned there. She wants to go home. She's so looking forward to seeing her kids. Am I going to get home? Her flight is on time. She's absolutely over the moon did it not cross your mind this weekend justin to maybe just just go down a go down a hill on a sledge or an old tray or a bin bag i believe the kids are doing these days just do it once well do you know what i'm going to do later on i'm making a snow mouse that's what uh. i'll be doing uh last year it was a snow cat this year it's a snow mouse <sighs> i'll be creating and will you take pictures of it so we can laugh at you? I mean, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah, sure. Okay, Justin, we'll, we'll, I look forward to that. Thank you very much. Thanks, Ian. Ta-ta, go and, go and have a nice cup of hot coffee or something. Flipping freezing out there. Poor Justin Dealey. I know, I know, I do feel we abuse him slightly. Um, but imagine being forced to go and stand out in the freezing cold at eight o'clock in the morning. Poor lad. He has fun, though. I want someone who's got the day off school to call in and be all smug. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. You got the day off? They're probably not even up from bed yet, are they? How smug must you be feeling right now? Morning, dear listeners. How did you embrace the snow this week? I'm, I'm sick and tired of all this doom and gloom about the snow. It'll be gone by Thursday. Embrace it. Make the most of it. It's me and the boys today. It's me and them, and we are going to go out in the back garden, and we are going to make a snowman, and we're going to have sledge races in the back garden, and throw snowballs, and make a mess and a noise, and come in with muddy boots, and drop our coats on the floor, and then have hot chocolate. That's my day. And I, I, it was frustrating at the weekend. I couldn't go to Gloucester to see my dad. He's not very well. Bit upset Friday, then couldn't go Saturday, bit upset. I embraced it. I, I, I made the best of it. We went out and had fun. Come on. When was the last time, dear listener, that you made a snowball and chucked it at the traffic warden? Don't do that, actually. It's probably legal these days. Go make a snowball. Go make a tiny snowman. Go do something. 08459 455 555. Can we get a grumpy adult who hasn't made a snowball in 30 years to call in and make a snowball live on the air and chuck it? so good other things coming up 
in the last hour of the show. One in five children in parts of the three counties are obese. The public health manager from Bedfordshire has told this programme he gets abuse from mums and dads when he tells them. How do you think we can stop kids becoming overweight? And David Cameron's new advisor on childhood says parents should insist on seeing their child's texts and internet exchanges. Are kids entitled to any privacy? And I'll bring you all the latest information about how the snow is affecting schools and transport across beds, hearts and bucks. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. 81333, start your text 3CR. Or, if you're brave, go out in, there, uh, go out in the cold, make a snowball, chuck it live on the radio. 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. More than one in five children aged 10 or 11 are obese in parts of beds, hearts and bucks, according to figures obtained by the BBC. The highest figure, 22%, is in Luton, which is above the national average. Across the NHS, obesity is costing us £4 billion a year, and there's a growing problem with children. There are schemes to encourage people to lead a healthier lifestyle, but the uptake is low. Olu Ogini and her daughter Tenny attend the Busy Bodies Project in Bedfordshire, which aims to promote a healthier lifestyle and features in the uh, programme. Uh, our reporter, Ewan Duncan, went to meet them as they are enjoying the snowy weather at their Bedford home. Let's do this slow, man. Nice and high. Carrot body. Yeah, body, carrot body nose. A snowy outlook in the three counties and a chance for mums and dads and their kids to get active. But Olu, you've already been doing this through Busy Bodies in Bedford, haven't you? Yes, I have been. We've been for over 10 weeks now. So we go um, once a week. It's through the school referrals to the uh, to the NHS so from there they pick up our name and we were uh, we sent a letter what sort of things do they do there we do exercise there was a time we had a nutritionist around they came about two or three times just to tell us about how to be health conscious we had discussions uh, open discussions so which is, is quite good and helpful Tenny what's the best part about busy bodies well making new friends and like learning healthy ways to eat and it's fun and what type of activities have you done there um, we've done swimming, making different meals, um, healthy pizzas, tennis, loads of different activities. What other ways can children be active? I think children can be active, um, not only by exercise, but like eating healthily and just making sure you don't snack a lot and like doing some regular exercise. What do you think you'll come away with after you've finished at Busy Bodies? Well, I'll come away with lots of new friends and um, a new healthier lifestyle. And Olu, how do you see the children benefit on a weekly basis at Busy Bodies? A lot of the children, if not 10 out of 10, 9 out of 10, have come to realise some of the things they're doing wrong. Because when we started, we had a discussion, most of the children snack a lot. And that's one of the reasons why a lot of them have been obese. When they snack a lot, when it's time for food, they hardly have um, room for food. And they've eaten the wrong thing. So most of the children, as mentioned, uh, like yesterday when we, when we went, a lot of them said they have benefited from it. And they, they've been encouraged to eat more fruit than snack on, on sweets. And at the extreme end, some parents don't accept their children are obese and get angry about it. Is that a problem for the health workers and everyone who tries to tackle the issue? 
Yes, it could be it could be a problem if the parents don't agree that their children are ob- obese. Because if the parents don't agree, then obviously whatever the NHS does, they won't accept it. So the only way to correct this is to educate the parents themselves as well, not just the children. Well, Tam Fry is a spokesman for the National Obesity Forum and chairs the Child Growth Foundation. Morning, Tam. Good morning to you. What's the extent of the problem of child obesity in your experience? The research for the BBC's Inside Out programme suggested as much as one in five young children in some parts of the three counties are obese yeah that's correct but uh, what is even more damaging <coughs> excuse me is that you said it costs uh, 4.1 billion in fact the real cost is 5.1 billion Wowzers. so it's even worse why why is this happening why are so many kids obese basically because we have taken our eye off the ball with young children uh, the real uh, the real answer to obesity is to actually address the problems of obesity in the very young. That's uh, not just from birth, but that's also from pre-birth and preconception. And all we've been doing at the moment is concentrating from school onwards and trying to make uh, overweight children slimmer. And in my view, this is never going to see the end of the obesity problem. We've got to start really early, and we've got to get the messages out and the education out. I thought that your uh, little child there with her mother was an absolutely excellent advertisement for for busybodies and education was the message for the mother and that is the way to go and the education should be given person to person not as uh, handouts and leaflets from the local government and from central government but from people who you can trust and I think that it has now been proven that GPs are the best source of information. I don't get it though Tam it's obvious that if you eat sweets and don't exercise then you become fat isn't it it is absolutely obvious and it is uh, really amazing how this message which has now been going on for 13 years is not going uh, through um, perhaps we are now been messaged so much by the nanny state that uh, we've uh, just uh, become immune to the whole thing. And what we've got to do is to change the messaging system, make it a person one-to-one, and that is the way that it'll go through. And I assume that uh, uh, your excellent mother there was counseled by somebody from the school, and that is the way to do it. Uh, Person-to-person information, and then I think we'll see things back on a good track. The parents have to take the main responsibility for this, don't they? Parents do have to take responsibility, but the problem for the parents is that uh, the choice sometimes, uh, particularly for those families with low income, is very limited. And where the food available in the uh, convenience stores and the uh, corner shops is less than healthy, then uh, the government also has to take responsibility because the government is the only source that can actually ensure that the food that we buy off our shelves is as healthy as it can be. And that is what government is not doing. Well, hang hang on a second. You just accused the government of being a nanny state. And now you're saying that the, the, the government has to make the, the, the food healthier. We just go and buy some salad and stuff. It's easily done. No, well, let me explain. The, 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 the nanny state is preaching to the population. Uh, making sure that healthy food is available to everybody is a totally different procedure altogether. The government then says to industry, uh, you are putting far too much fat and salt and sugar in our food. You will not do that any longer. You will have certainly uh, the need to put in some fat and salt, some salt and sugar, but it should not be above an acceptable level. And the acceptable level is very easily uh, discovered by virtue of the Food Standards 
agency. But at the moment, uh, the food industry is just shoveling anything it wants into our food, and uh, we are unfortunately paying the consequences because it is that food which triggers obesity. Uh, Tab Fright, listen, thank you very much. I appreciate your time. I'm going to go to uh, Prinda now, who's in Luton. Morning, Prinda. Hi, morning. Uh, Why do you think so many children in Luton are obese? Well, um, basically because guys like the one who's uh, just talking to you on the phone, it's because of these guys who are brainwashing the parents into thinking that it's the government's fault. Oh, hang on. Tab, are you still there? Yep. Tab, it's it's your fault, according to Prinda. Well, um, I I will take all the criticism that is justified, but in this instance, I'm afraid the criticism is wrong. Um, We have to remind the government that its responsibility to the population is to allow it to be as healthy as it can possibly be. No, 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 no. I don't agree at all. Go on, Prinda. So what about the old days? So what about the old days, years and years ago? Um, we didn't have that. We didn't have obesity in children. The parents took full responsibility in making the healthy, good, healthy meals for their kids and took time out to yeah. make sure that they had exercise. Absolutely, but in the old days we had a different system. We didn't have processed food. We didn't have microwaves. We didn't well, have... No, print, we print, 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 let, let Tam finish. Go on, Tam. We okay. didn't have all those things. And furthermore, the other side, and, and this is where Busy Bee scores, is that uh, we had lots of opportunity to exercise. In the last 20 years, the opportunities to exercise have diminished considerably. Uh, we, we don't have to talk about selling off the school playing fields. We can talk particularly about parents now feeling insecure in letting their children going out to play uh, because of the traffic on the streets. So we we have actually reconstructed society into what we would call an obesogenic society. And and that has uh, been evolving over the last 20, 30 years. It does sound slightly like we're we're taking the responsibility away from the parents. Parents can always cook healthily, and and it doesn't cost that much. They can always encourage their kids to go out on their bike and go out to the park and go out and play football and things like that. In certain areas, that is true. But I have to say that, uh, unfortunately, there's a whole bunch of parents who can't cook because what we did 20 years ago was to throw out domestic science from the school curricula. So there are a lot of people around who rely on ready-made fuel because they can't cook themselves. Go Go on, Prinda. I'm sorry, but I just think that you're making excuses for the parents. Yes, there is more variety of food these days to choose from, but it is up to the parents if they want to choose healthy meal for their kids or if they want to just give them three pounds and go to McDonald's every day and just buy them burgers. No, I, I fully think that it's the parents' responsibility to make sure that their children are eating healthy and getting next to get a dog. Take them for a walk. Well, Brenda, thank you very much. Tam Fry, we'll uh, spokesman for the National Obesity Forum. Yes, I I don't think getting a dog is necessarily practical for everybody, but I do take your point. Uh, For example, my wife uh, yesterday has cooked um, a big pot of the kind of food for me, a big pot of food for the lads, one's vegetarian, one's uh, meaty, uh, and that's going to last us for the next three or four days. And it wasn't particularly expensive. There are ways around these things. I do, I do wonder. I can see both sides of the argument. Thank you very much for that. Sophie Tyler, BBC, Three Counties Radio. Oh, that, oh sorry, Sophie, I failed you too quickly, but Jonathan Vernon-Smith is here. Hi, Jonathan. Hello. And he was just about to say he loved something. I'm going to make you do it on air, because it could be private, but he was about to say, oh, I loved, and then we had to, Sophie Tyler's report was coming to an end. Hold it. Okay. Hold it. Okay. I'll do the news quickly. I'm not that fast. And then we'll find out what it was you loved. Right, okay, let me just press this. Snow's cl- snow has closed more than 350 schools in Hertfordshire. More than 250 in bucks. I thought 
that many schools around. I can't believe it. And Milton Keynes and nearly 200 in Bedfordshire. Wowzers. We've got an up-to-date list on bbc.co.uk forward slash three counties. By the way, I thoroughly enjoyed your snow special on Friday. You like that? Wasn't it entertaining radio? You enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a lot. Good. <laughs> You're right. We can't have that conversation on no. air. I'm so glad. Did you have a nice weekend? Uh... Yes. Oh, come on. Yeah, it was okay. Did you turn that frown upside down and embrace the snow? <laughs> no. Oh, mate, come on, no. Jonathan, why? Did you stay indoors all, all weekend being miserable? Yeah, I didn't go, I didn't really go out. Certainly didn't go and play in the snow. Went sledging, made, uh, didn't make a snowman, doing that today, threw snowballs, had hot chocolate. Oh, it's magical. It was magical. Mm. After this, you've got a, a bit of time, you don't do anything between now and nine. <laughs> go outside, get a big <laughs> ball of snow and just lob it. Lob it at a car that's passing by. The BBC does not condone that sort of behaviour. No. But do it. Go and lob it at a, a, a window here. Why would I do that? You'll feel nine years old. Really? Yeah, you'll I feel... I didn't really enjoy doing things like that when I was nine. Oh, Jonathan, please, promise me. I always wore tweed. <laughs> promise me. Yes. You'll go out and make a snowball and just chuck it with all your might. Well... All three foot. No. <laughs> You're getting put up in a swanky hotel because of the snow. Well, no, I was worried about getting in. So I... <laughs> I wouldn't call it a swanky hotel. I stayed in a, in a perfectly adequate hotel for my needs. They were very excited that you were staying there. I know they there, were. There was, there was a buzz around the... Jonathan Murnett Smith, Jonathan, Jonathan Murnett Smith is here. Yes. So uh, they're worried that you're going to kick off <laughs> like you do on your consumer hour. <laughs> demand I asked them to give me a very good room. Coming up on the big phone in this morning at nine, are we finally learning how to deal with the snow in this country? We're still in the grips of the cold weather, but after a weekend of more snow, it seems the roads are running relatively smoothly. I mean, you yes. managed to get in. Perfectly, yes. Uh, I've looked out the window this morning. Everybody seems to be driving around Apart very well. the teachers, unless they're driving to a shopping centre. This is the only thing. I mean, we do have school closures. In fact, there are more than 800 schools in Beds, Hearts and Bucks that are closed because of the snow. But on the whole... We're dealing quite well with it, aren't we? Aren't we just? Aren't we just? So, from nine this morning, I want your views on this. Are we finally learning how to deal with the snow in this country? Do you think we've got it cracked? Now, it, it doesn't any longer phase us. It doesn't grind the country to a halt, as perhaps some of us had feared it would. Or perhaps you think we've just been very lucky. It's the kind of <laughs> snow we've had. What are you laughing about? <laughs> It's the kind You're of snow... You're punctuating this with lots of very extravagant hand movements <laughs> and gestures. <laughs> well, I, I'm getting myself all worked <laughs> up. I'm just wondering whether it's the kind of snow that we've had. Yes. It's a little... Du you know, we've not, had the, we've not had a big dump, have we? Because... If we'd had a big dump overnight, as as sometimes has been the case, you wake up and then, of course, you can't do anything because you've got this amount of snow. You've had a little tinkle. If you just get just a gentle little uh, amount of snow like we've had for a... <laughs> Why do you do this on my show? <laughs> Me not get in trouble. Not you. <laughs> I'm being serious. <laughs> Come on. Why do you come and do it on my show? Well, I listen to your show. Your show's like all sensible and, and straight. You come on here and you're just trying to get me the sack. No, I'm trying to be <laughs> Anyway, from nine this morning, are we finally learning how to deal with the snow in this country? I want your call, oh, please. Dear. <laughs> yes, and your calls of complaint as well after nine o'clock. Get out. You're a very, very naughty man. Call 08459. Four double five five double five. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Naughty BBC man. BBC Three Counties Radio.
It's me, in the rules of radio, it's me that will get in trouble because it's my, on my watch. I, I will, have, will be blamed for not keeping a guest in check. We were talking uh, earlier on about um, an MP is concerned. He's heard from GPs who are concerned that there are too many foreign nationals coming over here just to use our wonderful National Health Service. Andrew's in Bedford. Morning, Andrew. Good morning. Does this, does this worry you? Uh, no, not at all. I mean, I've never heard so much nonsense as spoken that caller earlier. Oh, go on. You, you can't just come over and get a, a, a routine operation like a, a cartilage. You have to be referred... Uh, to a hospital in the first place. You can't just come over and go up to an hospital and say, I'd like a car is operating. I mean, it could have been a reciprocal agreement. And how does it, this person know that the, the operation was free? I mean, we, our National Health Service sends patients to, to foreign countries. They, they send people to, to France for operations because it's, it's cheaper than, than doing them in this country. But we heard from a gentleman who uh, had been in the hospital and there were two people from the Czech Republic who'd come over just for an operation. They were going back home the next day. No, you can't do it like that. that, that that's, that, that's absolute nonsense. And I, I wonder why you didn't question him. You can't just come over, get a, a, a plane over from, from Czechoslovakia, turn up at a hospital and say, oh, I'd like a cartilage operation, please. You have to go through a process. I mean, there's waiting lists. You have to be referred in the first case to the hospital. You can't just turn up like that. How does he know that the operation was free? It may have been paid for by the Czech authorities. It was absolute, absolute nonsense. I've never heard so much rubbish in all my life. Andrew? Yes. When was the last time you threw a snowball? Uh, I'm going to go out and throw one out in a minute, and I see one of my um, elderly neighbours passing by. <laughs> and I'm going to blame it on you. No, don't chuck a snowball at a pensioner and blame it on me. That's, that's two strikes, Ian. I'm afraid, you, you know, when you get free, it's like over in America. It's the, it's oh. the hangman, I'm afraid. Oh, blimey, Andrew. I shall, I shall be on my bestest behaviour to, to make sure I don't get a third strike. Thank you, Andrew and Bedford. Wow, two strikes. And, I, and, and, and the hangman? Wowzers. Seriously? Right. People above the age of 30, when did you last throw a snowball? If you didn't do it this weekend, shame on you. Right? Because this is good, this is good snow for making snowballs. Shame on you. In the last 35 minutes of the show, can we get someone over the age of 30, ideally someone in their 60s or 70s, I believe we have a few of those people listening to us, to phone us up 08459. Four double five five double five. Go outside and throw a snowball. Ideally, it's someone else. I wouldn't mind walking down the street getting snowballs chucked. I wouldn't mind as long as it wasn't like a load of kids chucking it at me. You know, twenty-five, fourteen-year-olds throwing them at me. If, if, if a lad or a lady threw a snowball at me, I'd enjoy that. That's what it's all about. Go outside. I want someone over the age of 30 to go outside with your phone in hand. Give me a call. 08459 455 555. Make a snowball and chuck it. And chuck it. It's wonderful. It puts you in touch with your inner child. You'll feel, there's a nine years old, there's a sense of freedom about it. Your soul will sparkle a little bit. Talking about privacy. Government uh, is suggesting that we, we all look at our children's online activity and check their texts. Lynn says, when my kids were younger, I insisted on knowing their computer passwords so I could check what they were doing. If they didn't tell me, they weren't allowed to use the computer or the phone. I'm, I'm, I'm a way off of this yet. It's, it, it's quite some way off of this. My boys are, are three, and indeed one of them is one today. But you do kind of wonder, what age... Do you let them go on the computer and let them kind of have have free reign? And and would you keep an eye on them? I'd certainly check their browsing history. You you would definitely check their browsing history. 
Oh, Isra's in Luton. Morning, Isra. Good morning. Uh, how are you today? I'm fine. How are you? I'm, uh, do you know what, Isra? I'm very excited because my wife is going back to work today after a maternity leave. And so I've got both boys uh, to myself and we are going to go in the garden and make a snowman. That sounds cool. Doesn't it sound cool, Isra? Yes, it does. What did you do this weekend? Oh, I just went outside and made a snowball and had snowball fights. Isn't, how old are you, Isra? Eleven. Isn't it the most? Isn't it the most fun in the world? Yeah. And it's going to be gone by Thursday. Every all these people whinging about all the people like Jonathan Vernon Smith. All the snow. All the snow. Oh, I stayed indoors and watched the, the, the telly or whatever he did or played Neil Sedaka songs on his piano. You don't even know who Neil Sedaka is, do you, Israel? No. You're blessed. You're lucky. But these. I've had enough. <laughs> Ooh, I hear laughter in the rain. They sang that. Anyway, uh, th- these people that are whinging about the snow, they should just get a grip and get a life, shouldn't they? Yeah. Yeah. Snow's actually really fun. Snow is actually really fun. It says Israel, who's age 11. Now, your, your school, what's happening uh, to your school? Is it open or is it closed? It's closed. Yes. What school is it? Chorney High School. Yes. So, what are you going to do for the day? you got the day off. I think I'll go outside and have another snowball fight. Man alive, I wish I was 11. How <laughs> cool is that? Have you got any homework to do? No. Go! Oh, this is the dream! <laughs> I tell you what, Jeremy Kyle's on at 9.30. You gonna watch that? Yep. Yeah, we go. Watch Kyle. Once, once that's finished, once you've got the DNA results or the all-important lie detector results back and, you, you know, it, it, it's the person with the least number of teeth, then you can go out and have a snowball fight. That'd be really cool. Israel, listen, I, I, can you give me a call tomorrow and let me know how that snowball fight goes? Okay. Nice one. Thank you very much. Israel, there we go. Lovely. That's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. Being 11, bunking... Not bunking off school. The school is closed. Bit of Kyle. And then, uh, and it is, it's always the person with the least number of teeth. That's, that, that, that's normally the one who's going to fail the lie detector result. And then going out and make snowballs. That's what I'm doing all day. Wonderful, isn't it? Come on, if you're 30 or over, and you haven't made a snowball in years, what I'm really after is a 67-year-old woman to do it, but I, I don't want to be too specific. If you're 30 or over, you haven't made a snowball in years, just go out. Go out and make one and lob it at a window, at a car, at a passerby. I know, I know, oh, health and safety, BBC shouldn't be encouraging that, but come on. Obviously, you know, chuck it at an old lady in a wheelchair or something, that would be highly inappropriate. (laughs) It would be, wouldn't it? That would be highly inappropriate. I'm not in any way, just go and do it. 08459. I can get in trouble for this, I think. Yes, yes, I can. Yes. 08459 455 555. And um, if, if they ask who told you to do it, say it was whatever losers presenting the Heartbreakfast show. Yeah, that's who it was. The BBC in beds, hearts, and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Morning. 30 minutes left of the show, and then it's home time. And uh, it's ice and snowy and hot chocolate fun. Uh, coming up next, David Cameron is to make a common statement this afternoon on the Algerian hostage crisis. I'll have a preview of what it is he's likely to say. And we'll catch up with uh, the reporter, Justin, the reporter, Justin Dealey, who's finding out how the snow is affecting buses in the three counties. And I still want to hear from you. How did you embrace the snow over the weekend? How did you turn the, the tragedy of not being able to go anywhere into a success story? And I want a person over the age of 30 who hasn't thrown a snowball in years to go out and do one now. 08459 455 555. 
Now, David Cameron is to make a comment statement this afternoon on the Algerian hostage crisis. Three British workers have been killed, while uh, three others are feared dead after the terrorist attack on a gas plant in the Saharan Desert. It's now thought at least 80 people died in this siege. In the siege. For the latest, I'm joined by our political correspondent, Paul Rowley. Paul, um, morning. What is the Prime Minister expected to say? It's going to be a pretty grim statement, Ian, frankly. It seems some of these hostages were executed in what looks to have been a bloodbath. Oh uh, pictures have emerged which show bodies riddled with bullets. Many in, are in such a state they've not been identified. Uh, of those who were killed, the majority were hostages, although 32 kidnappers also died, me- mostly in the final showdown, if I can call it that, at the end of this ordeal, which lasted some four days. And of those who perished, it's known three were from the UK, a further three are missing, presumed dead. There was also a British resident who died as well but i suppose it could have been worse there are about 900 people in the plant at the time mm. 800 of them have been freed or escaped more than 100 of them were foreign workers at least 22 survivors are british david cameron has been very quiet in terms of what his opinion is on the algerian treatment of this is the british government critical of the way the algerians handled this there was clearly concern at the start uh, because we weren't consulted indeed uh, no other country was either we were not warned that the algerian army were going in now maybe it was a deliberate strategy because they feared there could be leaks and it would rob them of the element of surprise maybe in a insular country in an insular region they felt they could handle this without the need for reliance on other nations or maybe Ian, it was just a case that the opportunity arose and they felt they could deal with it certainly the united kingdom has expertise in this field as indeed have the americans and they have casualties here as well but both have experience of previous hostage crisis in the arts art of negotiation for example in diplomacy and and personnel of course the sas have been involved in a lot of international missions in the past 18 months ago i remember in libya that was judged a success because it was a very much a long-term strategic military planning operation but the public view of the british government at the moment at least is this is a sovereign nation and it would be wrong to rush to judgment until all the facts are clear difficulty is ian at this stage there is a shortage of information does this event change british policy in north africa well the government's view is that it is and always has been aware of the potential for this type of terrorist threat in what let's be honest is the powder keg of a region you've got mali on one side of algeria and libya on the other those responsible are saying the attack was a direct response to Algeria's decision last weekend to allow France to use its airspace to send planes into Mali. So this was a pretty swift response, you would have thought. But you do get the impression, Ian, that the scale of the attack has surprised an awful lot of people. David Cameron is saying it's a stark reminder of the continuing risks from international terrorism, saying this is a, a global threat that requires a, a global response. But he's making clear that doesn't necessarily mean that uh, we're going to go over there mob handed militarily because i think we're aware we got our fingers burnt in iraq and afghanistan france though is using much more provocative language in saying this is an act of war by islamic militants certainly this seems to be a breakaway group from al-qaeda a group which calls themselves or at least the british uh, interpretation is they call themselves those who sign in blood they are a splinter group led by a, by a veteran jihadist a guy called mokta bel mokta now this is the biggest hostage crisis i can remember for years maybe decades possibly a generation or more the fear is though ian it could be the start and there could be more like this sadly oh dear paul rolly thank you very much indeed cross beds hearts and bucks this is ian lee on bbc three counties radio fat kids 
we've been talking about. There's a problem. There's a growing problem with obesity in children. Whose fault is it? Is it the parents? Should the government be taking more responsibility? Anne is in Milton Keynes. Good morning, Anne. Good morning. I have it on good authority. You're just about to have some breakfast. What are you having this morning? <laughs> just boiled egg and toast. Oh, you say just a boiled egg and toast, but it's simple, it's plain, and half nice, though, isn't it? Well, too bad. Too right, it is, yeah. are you, are, have you cut Now, uh, have you cut your toast into soldiers? No, I cut it into squares, oh. four squares. Oh, <laughs> and soldiers <laughs> makes it more fun. That's true, true. Where did, where, why, did, why, why are strips of toast that you dip into an egg, why are they called soldiers? I have to pass on that one, sorry. <laughs> We're fight right, so that's, that's the rest of the week, is finding out why on earth they're called soldiers. Maybe yeah. it's some weird game they play in the army <laughs> to new people. What's well, your take on obese children, Anne? Well, actually, I think a lot of the time it's lack of education with the parents. Yeah. Uh, when your gentleman phoned me yesterday about this, I was saying that I listened to the super programme on Radio Bedford on a Saturday from 12 till 2, the cookery programme. Yes. Now, I think it's the only programme that gives out super recipes, yes. quick, cheap, That's with the, is, that, is that with the, the, the super Nick Coffer? That's why. He's good, isn't he? He is, super, and super. I don't know it. Now, if you see these programmes on the television of which there's hundreds... Yes. Everything they make has got cream, it's got oh, butter, it's oh, got oil. Oh. Now, if these, if these mums are watching this every day... I can't afford this, so they go out and buy convenience foods, yes. which I think is too handy, actually. It's much cheaper if they're taught how to bake. People, I genuinely believe, Anne, that it's cheaper to buy healthy food and make it... And make it it's cheaper to buy a, a salad than buy a prepackaged salad. That's obvious. Do, uh, no, I don't know why they buy pe- no, Don't get me started. I'm Scottish and I'm old and I was brought up at a different age. Oh, <coughs> oh excuse me. Oh, dear. But I mean, just as an an example, I I get a pound of stew and I put in that carrots, turnip and onions. Now that can last my husband and I three days. Yes. Now that's only costing us at most four pounds. You talk about Nick Coffer. I heard Nick Coffer on Jonathan Vernon Smith's show. Look at this cross promotion, right? And it was that whole, when that whole scandal about horse burgers, horse burgers, horse burgers. And Nick Nick said, horse burgers cost you about one pound fifty, one pound eighty. Go to a butcher's, buy some mince, chop it up, uh, mix it up with a little bit of onion, and you're getting burgers for about twelve pence a burger. That's all you need to do. Then you freeze them. I know, I know. Well, and, and another thing I do as well, which is maybe a good tip, I always cook in bulk. I think it's just as cheap to cook to three pounds of mince as one pound. Yeah. And I freeze it. Yeah, freeze so it. all you've got to, you know, it's just... Freeze it. It's just the way we were brought up, you see. Anne. It's Anne, a different age. Can I ask you a question, Anne? Oh, what's that? When was the last time you threw a snowball? Oh, I wanted to, to do one. This, this snow is not very good for throwing snowballs, uh, actually. Is, 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 are you near to your front door? Yes. Can you go out and make a snowball? No, because oh. I get cold. Anne! Anne, you'll feel, you'll, you'll feel alive. Yes, you might get frostbite and lose one or two fingers, but that's a small price to pay <laughs> no, for the gift I, I, of life. No, I, I look out the window, think how beautiful. I don't want to disturb this no. lovely snow. You be, and you be careful. <laughs> Listen, thank you very much for calling. Well done. Anne in Milson Keynes there. Ophelia's in Luton. Morning, Ophelia. Morning, how are you? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Go on, what's your take on this? I think that there's been a lot of change in the culture of the way um, things were back in my days, and I went to school in the 70s, compared to how they are now. Um, one of the major things, I think, is um, the health and safety culture, which has contributed to the closing down of open spaces, 
the park facilities. Uh, my local park where I live back in London used to have loads of um, different um, things that you could run around with and play. All that's changed. Um, also, they, and parents used to then could send their children to the park. There wasn't that sort of great fear of your children being abducted, being um, sexually abused. Or but you know that that's, that's, that's the myth. Is, it, it's exaggerated in the press. Yeah, no, but you, you feel it quite real, though. I'm the same attitude. If I can't... I mean, my parents used to send us to the park. But it's not real. It's not real. There's no, there's no greater threat to your kids now than there was 30 years ago. No, what I'm saying is that the, I feel the threat is very real. Yeah. Whether it's not... Uh, and there's no responsibility. And let me tell you something. In the day, if I got sent to school, my parents never got seen at school until it was parents' evening. Oh, we man. went to school and came home, and we used to go home for... Back then, you could go home at lunch times, and I was about five or six taking a... Well, a 15, 20-minute walk. Hang on now, a minute, hang on a minute, hang on a minute. Ophelia, Ophelia. Yeah? You were five years old, and you were taking a 20-minute walk to school on your own? Yeah. I don't believe uh, you. No, no, I, w- I went with um, my sister that was, um... My sister was, um, five years older than me. So she would have been, let me work this out, five plus five is ten. Ten. Okay. And then I had, like, um, a half-sister who we just adopted a few days before I started school, and she was the same age as me. She was only six months younger than me. But we'd walked the journey, and then when yeah. I was about six, I was doing the journey on my own. There's nothing unusual about that. Well, I didn't find it unusual. When I was 11, I was going from... Halston in London, near Wembley. Yeah, I know all very the way well. to Croydon by myself. Yeah, wow. But wow. that's because I was that kind of confident. Yeah, yeah. But things have changed. You wouldn't let your children do those journeys. And also, back in the day, teachers had... The morale with teachers was better. I think they felt better, more fairly treated. So they'd freely put on after-school netball, football, all these different running-around events. We used to go play schemes, which were free back in the day. Just had oh, to I used to hate form. play schemes. I used to get beaten up. I used to get beaten up at play schemes. But we never had a holiday, so going to a play scheme where you got yeah. taken to the park, you're running around all these toys. You know, you see, he's running around. And back Don't. in my day, I would have been regarded as a beast. But, but what I was then, back now, back but now, I regarded as okay. So you were fat then? I was definitely. But but you were still doing all this running around. I'm still running around. Today. So, so the, the, the running around has got nothing to do with it. <laughs> No, but what I'm saying is that it's a combination. Fatty Ophelia. I'm talking about the food, the, the exercise, and also children have a lot of energy, they need to burn it. Of course they do. But what I'm saying is that um, the culture then was more easy. And also fast food, we couldn't afford fast food, such, you know, burger restaurants. They were expensive. We used to save for a special event. Now, chicken and chips is dirt cheap. It's yeah. cheaper than getting... So it's about the change in affordability. Ophelia? Ex- yeah? Are you near your front door? I was hoping you weren't going to say that. No, I'm, I'm saying it. Are you near your no, front door? No, I'm not. I'm not going outside. Where are, where are you? Where are you in your house? I'm working from home in the next 15 minutes. I log- I'm locked okay. on. No, okay, so what, are you upstairs, downstairs? Upstairs. Okay. I'm not going in. And the phone, is, the phone is mobile, yeah? Cordless? Yeah. Okay, no, so, so just go no. downstairs. No, 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 just, 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 just bear with me. I can't. S- no, Ophelia, stand up. All right. Come on. Walk out of that room. Yeah. Right. Walk, walk down the stairs. No, I'm not going just, to Just go down door. the stairs. Just go... No, no, I'm not asking you to go out. Just go, just go down the stairs. It's a horrible look outside. I don't like snow. Why don't you like snow? Because I don't like it. It's too slippery. You don't okay. have control. No, you don't have control. Actually, okay. you burn a lot of energy. Yeah. So just, uh, just, open, just open the front door and look at that snow you don't like. I'm not asking you to go out yet. Just, yeah, just, I can see it. Do you open the door? No, I can't. It's too cold. Just I'm not o- properly dressed. Just open it. No way. Have a look. No, I'm looking. I'm not going out there. It's too frightening. Just, just, why is it frightening, the feeling? It's snow. 
can't wait for it to be gone. It's oh, you're so... Mi- no, listen, I'm going to make you love snow. I can make you love snow. <laughs> you have to trust me, Ophelia. The travel and the weather and news can wait. Jonathan Vernon Smith can wait. If it takes all morning, we're doing all this. All right, all right, all o- right. Open, I like snow now. Open the door. Oh, God, God. Open the door. I'm telling you, it scares me out there, you know. Ophelia, I'm going to get rid of that fear. Open the door. Come on, I'm not dressed. I'll be in charge with indecent exposure. What, what are you wearing? Just a vest. Oh, Ophelia, you mucky pup. Dearie me, I don't want semi-clad women phoning me up again. Now, that's a proper sport, you see. What they're discussing there is one of the proper sports. The darts, the snooker. They're the proper sports, okay? We're proper sports stars, yeah? Because the the people that play darts and snooker are the common man in every sense of the word. Not these these highfalutin multimillionaires. They're the common man. Good for them, although some of them are highfalutin millionaires. Now, when there's bad weather in Bedfordshire, Hertfordshire and Buckinghamshire, this is the station for you. We bring you the latest, we we bring you more than just bad weather, but we bring you the latest on the rail and the roads every 15 minutes during this programme. And we can get a closer look at our roads this morning now, because John Caldwell covers the east of England for the Highways Agency. Morning, John. Morning, Ian. What's the latest from your end? How are things looking? Well, we worked hard overnight with the salting run, so we treated all the roads. There's no snow on them anymore. There's just a slight risk of some um, ice, so we are asking drivers just to be a bit cautious when they're out there on the motorways and trunk roads, just in case they come across some black ice. So that's just adjust your speed. Make sure you've got a gap between the car in front and try and avoid any sharp braking. John, I was I drove to Gloucester at the weekend because I had to. Uh, it took me three hours to get there. I drove 60 miles an hour, 50 miles an hour sometimes. There were people going past me at well over 100 miles an hour. Yeah, and they're the ones that causes the problem, because obviously if they then lose it and crash, then we have to close the road, and whilst it's closed, more snow and ice comes, and then we really struggle to get it open again. I saw an accident on the M25 on Friday. Uh, it was it was five vehicles. There were two cars and two sort of lorries, not big ones, over on the hard shoulder. And then in the fast lane, there was a car that had been smashed into facing the wrong way. And so people slowing down, slowing down. And then once they got past it, they go off bombing again. Like it, people are incredible, aren't they? They are. Um, that's the challenges of life that we have to face. Our main bit is hopefully, most, the majority, I have to say, do I, comply. I think you're right. Uh, are there more gritters out and about at the moment, John? Or when's the best time to do the gritting? Uh, we continually do it. Every two hours, we're out on a two-hour run, come back, refill, and out again. Whilst temperatures are at freezing, we just continue throughout the process. So you'll see our vehicles out and about throughout the day on their various runs that they do. And have we got enough grit? Are we, are we in danger of, of being gritless? No, we work really hard in the summer, brought a lot of grit in, stocked everything up, got some extra supplies. So uh, us and the local authorities, we've got plenty for, uh, for the foreseeable future. You say you, you, you brought enough grit in. Where does grit come from? <laughs> Well, we've got some supplies up in the northwest, but right. they, they can't cover the whole country, so we ship it in. Some of it from Russia, some oh. of it from uh, Africa. So we bring it in um, from African all grit. over the place. Isn't some of funny? it from the other side. So we're, there are supplies all over the world, and we make sure that we get big containers full of it, bring them into the coast, and then spread it around the country to the various depots. And embeds are hearts and bucks, uh, John. Have we got? We've got the good grit. <laughs> Have we got the good grip? We've got the excellent grip, because um, it's, it's coming out of the office right next door to me at Southmead. I don't want the rubbish grip. G- give, give the rubbish grip to the north of England. We want the good grip down here. Uh, finally, John, what's, what's your message to, to road users out and about? 
Uh, make sure you plan your journey. Keep an eye, listening to local radio so you know what the weather conditions are likely to be and what the road conditions are. Plan your journey and leave yourself plenty of time so you can get there safely. John Colwolf uh, from the Highways Agency, thank you very much. And yes, just, just, just to reiterate, I hope that we're using good British grit in, uh, in the three counties. There's foreign grit coming over here, taking the, the jobs of our British grit. What on earth is going on? Well, our uh, gritty reporter, Justin Dealey, has been out on the roads this morning. Morning, Justin. Yes, hello, Ian. You well? You must be freezing. I am absolutely <laughs> oh, freezing. bless you. And I've got to take you to task on something oh. off the back of my bus piece about jeans. Sorry, yes. Yes, yes, we'll come to that very soon. Oh. But uh, the roads this morning mm. looking pretty good. Last night they weren't looking good at all. Um, this morning certainly an improvement. I think it certainly helps as well the number of schools that are closed. Not too much traffic certainly here in Luton. Yep. I was at the airport earlier. Things up there looking good. And the buses as well looking good this morning. Yeah, in terms cool. of a reaver across the whole of Beds, Hearts and Bucks, just the, the one service which is not running. That's the number four in Aylesbury. Good for them. I've been talking to some passengers in some are happy some are not yes take a listen to this okay here's linda linda's on the bus you're absolutely gutted because you don't want to go to work do you no i don't <laughs> i thought i'd have another day in bed are you surprised that the buses are here and they're on time i am very surprised yeah i'm really surprised that they're running on time i don't know what the roads are like where we're going the other end i don't know when we get off the bus but yeah i was surprised they're running so do you think as a nation we are coping slightly better these days with the snow well I don't know. I haven't really been out and about in it, but so far I've seen a couple of gritters where we don't, we haven't seen any before. This is the first year, yeah. and I've been having friends text me from Farley Hill saying, "Oh, they've seen a snowplow." And so, yeah, we seem to be. Yeah, I don't know what's to come. But. <laughs> well, you look very, very warm. So when you got down here this morning, you thought, "I'm hoping the bus is going to be cancelled. I can then go home." You saw it was on. You thought, "Oh, here we go." <laughs> I did, yeah. I, but I'd have to have walked. Yeah. Because every some other people are coming from further afield, yeah. so it look a bit bad. Make an effort, I did. I've got to make the effort. <laughs> now, Avril, incredibly, you're going into work early because the buses were on time. They were. I left home early, expecting to walk, but when I got to the bus stop. Along came a bus, on time, so now I'm in town early. (laughs) (laughs) Were you shocked your bus was on time? I was, because normally when there's snow, the 12s stop, because they won't attempt Crawley Green Hill. Mm. So that's what I expected. So a definite improvement? An improvement, yes. So how are you going to burn some time off now then? Coffee, uh, maybe? Shopping. Bit of shopping? <laughs> Why doesn't that surprise me? Well, Ray, there's been a lot of concern from people saying, will my bus be running today? Will it be running over the weekend? You're on a bus right now. It's on time. You must be absolutely delighted with that. Absolutely delighted. I didn't really expect they wouldn't be running the state of the roads. I mean, the council have done a pretty good job on the main roads. The side roads, obviously, are, as they always are, can't get round. You know, I mean, you've got to sympathise with people that live off side roads because they are pretty treacherous, but the main roads... All the main roads are pretty clear and pretty good, you know. But we've been lucky, really, because I don't think we've had that much snow. And how have you embraced the snow? Have you gone out, have you made a snowman, have you been chucking snowballs? How have you embraced it? Bit of sledging. There we go. Fantastic, Justin. Well, wonderful stuff. There. Yeah, what's, 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 what's your problem? Uh, well, it's, it's the issue with the jeans. Um, yes. Because um, a couple of weeks ago, you were saying that you're wearing your jeans for what two weeks in a row? Was that it's right? A, it's about two weeks. I was in, mm. in bed with my uh, little boy, and I thought mm, one of us is smelling. It can't be him. Yeah. He's just had a bath. <laughs> so I t- uh, that was my cue to get rid of those jeans and get them washed. Right. You wear yours for a month, though, don't well, you? Well, kind of. Yeah. I said to you, deodorant up the front, deodorant up the back, and away you go. Beautiful. Well, wherever <laughs> I've been in the last week or so, yeah. people have been coming coming up to me, saying to me, I'm dirty, I'm this, they've been trying to, yeah. to, to sniff my jeans, what? it's just been horrendous, yeah. I, I can't take it anymore, I've had so much abuse yeah. over the last week, I've actually been out, you may have noticed this morning, I've gone and got some new jeans, all because of you.
Well, hang on. Was I supposed to notice that you were... I wonder why you were parading up and down yes. in front of me and kept turning like a catwalk was, model. Uh, like a panther this morning, going you up did, and down, going past your morning, Ian. You're well, Ian. Yeah, I didn't, Hello, I'm Ian. so sorry I didn't notice, and I'm embarrassed I'm that you've had to mention it. But you are... They, those people are right. You are very, very dirty. Yes, I am. But uh, now, after all the abuse that I've had in the last week yeah. off the back of our conversation, my yeah. life is going to change, and it's going to change for the better. Would have been cheaper just to buy some aerial. Uh, quite possibly, but, <laughs> but I thought, you know what? It's a new year. This is going to be a new me. <laughs> it's a new year. It's a new pair of jeans. Justin, thank you very much indeed. Just time to speak to Jackie from Cheshire. Morning, Jackie. Hello, Ian. You, you, you've called in um, you, you, about loads of things. You work in a school. Uh, is the school open or closed today? No, we're closed today. Which school is it? Uh, Elm Tree School in Chesham. Yay. Are you going to go and make snowmen and, and throw snowballs? Oh, I am, yes. Yeah. That was my three children. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Why ha- not? Let's have fun. How old are they? My children? Oh, they're teenagers. Oh. Uh, 14, 15 and 18. So if you can so. stop them drinking hooch and um, smoking tabs, Absolute, then yeah, you can get them yeah, to play. That's it. What, you're yeah. calling about, about obese kids? Yeah, I was just going to say, um, it's interesting, I listen to some of the conversations amongst the little ones that I work with, um, and the six and seven-year-olds who've got Xboxes, iPads, laptops, yeah. and I'm thinking, they should be out playing, they should be in the park, they should be in the garden, they should be out on their bikes, and, you know, I think, that, and, and also I think the um, lack of education uh, amongst parents with, you know, just basically uh, good food and, and cooking from scratch, really, as well, rather than going out and buying all these convenience foods. I agree with the cooking. The Xbox mm-hmm. and the Playstations, I think if it's managed well, I think it's good, because there is nothing more solitary and isolating than a child sat in a corner reading a book. But we'd all love Mm. our kids to be doing that, wouldn't we? Well, yeah, I suppose so, but I just think, you know, the fact that they just, they go home and they sit there, and and that's it, they're just literally, yeah, on their computer and just... I don't know, playing all these games. I just think it's a bit, well... But then you're a bloke, so that's probably what you do. Uh, yeah. And your problem <laughs> is what? <laughs> Jackie, listen, I'm going to quickly squeeze in Audrey. Audrey, we've got 20 seconds. Yes. You've been, you've been out this weekend playing with the grandkids, have you? Yes, I have. Opposite, opposite where I live, there's a field, a park, and we've been in there, and they've made snowballs and, and snowmen, yeah. Did and you, I've been out there as well. Did you chuck a snowball? Of course. Did you go? Yes. Da- did you go down on a sledge? Did you go sledging? No, no, I didn't go that far. <laughs> well, you chucked a sl- and what did it feel like? It chucking a snowball. Oh, that's great because I was throwing it at my son-in-law, and he's great fun. There we go. You see, Audrey, we've got to end it there. Thank you very much. What a lovely way to end the show. Well, there we go. We got there in the end, didn't we? Thanks to everyone who took part. Thank you to all of you who embraced the snow. I've got a wonderful afternoon playing with a three-year-old and a one-year-old in the back garden, making snowmen. They're going to look like Jonathan Vernon Smith and then chucking snowballs at it. Back tomorrow at six. Ta-ta! Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Yes, thank you, Ian.